episode is special in its own way. Tonight's episode is particularly special to me. Tonight we have Eric Rutan, and uh, if you listen to this, he doesn't need any introduction. Eric was in Morbid Angel, he's in Hate Eternal, and he's the producer of many records that are probably in all your record collections. Eric recorded and produced Savage Gold, our last full-length LP, and that's where I actually got to meet Eric. I caught Hate Eternal a few weeks ago, uh, but, you know, tour is hectic, and uh, there's all sorts of responsibilities tonight at shows, so we didn't get a lot of time to hang out. So this episode was cool to sort of catch up and, you know, just talk shit for, for a little while. This episode and every episode is brought to you by Savage Gold Coffee. Head on over to savagegoldcoffee.com and pick up a pound of coffee. We have uh, the Savage Gold Prime, which is an Ethiopian Yurga chef bean. We have the Savage Gold Dark, which is a dark Kenyan and um, forthcoming shortly maybe even by the time this episode comes out we'll have available Blue Monday which is uh, probably my favorite so far it's a deep dark Peruvian bean perfect for those mornings when uh, you don't want to get out of bed brew some of this up and you'll have instant motivation also go on over to the website and uh, check out the portals to uh, Datsusara on it and um, Nature Box. Those are our affiliate sponsors. So if you want to check out any of some of their products, click through the link on the uh, Everything Went Black website and uh, helps us out here. I'm a pretty much uh, disciple of Onnit, man. I got tons of their supplements right now. Currently, I'm using Strawn Bone and Krill Oil as uh, sort of daily supplements. And um, I have used the, uh, the New Mood and also Shroom Tech and had pretty good results with those as well. Um, also uh, into the, uh, the MCT oil in my morning coffee. And I also uh, use the Hemp Force Protein um, for post-workout sort of recovery. So yeah, man, it's um, pretty deep into the Onnit culture. If you're listening to this on iTunes, please uh, leave a review and a star rating doesn't have to be a good review or a good star rating just uh it really helps us out if uh in the, in the sort of standings on itunes give us a couple likes on facebook you can just head on over to uh everything went black on facebook hit like there's uh you know pretty interesting links on that site as well and uh you know links to past episodes uh videos that sort of thing so check that out on facebook if you want to follow me on twitter it's at mike hill hq The tour was great. Um, it was fun to get out there, man. I mean, we haven't done a headlining tour, and it's been a, it's been a while. I, I'm trying to think. It's been at least you know three or four years since we headlined, and um, it's always you know playing some of these new songs. Well, you know, 
I always explain this to people. Like when I write lyrics for Hate Eternal, I don't write them as a guitar player. I just write them as a singer. So through the whole recording process, um, man, I I never play guitar and sing the vocals. So when it gets ready to get to touring, I have to go back and, and you know teach myself how to play and sing these songs. And you know some of these songs come more natural and some of these songs are just hard as shit to sing period let alone play guitar and sing so they take time um on infernus some of these songs had some of the most challenging lyrical patterns i think i've ever done um and part of it is the language part of it is the patterns um so i had we ended up playing i think five new songs so i had a lot of work to do leading up to this tour to be prepared to be able to uh sing and play guitar in these songs and the logic behind that is I never wanted to write the lyrics as a guitar player because I felt like I would have tendencies of everything just being with the riff all the time. And, yeah. and I like to have different rhythmic patterns and, and ideas thrown in there. It also makes it really challenging for me when I got to go back and play and sing this stuff for tour. But uh, I mean, I work on it forever. I sit on the couch, I'm singing the words, talking the words, whatever I got to do to, to get it to go. So to be able to get out here and, and uh, play some of these new songs and I felt like the set that we had was was really a good accumulation of of of, of the best of, of of our of our catalog, which is six albums deep now. So it was it was a great it was great to get out there. I really had a great time. Yeah, the um, with the members living in different parts of the country like how, how does that work as far as like when when you guys are getting ready to go on tour how do you guys manage like rehearsals and all that you know uh, because of my producing schedule you know the the funny thing is is even even if the guys all lived here nothing would change because you know well, as you know you know when working with me you know we're working 10 11 12 hours a day sometimes longer if necessary uh depending on on what's going on um we, you know, we wouldn't be able to practice during produce when I'm producing a record anyway, because you know my my ears are shot, obviously after working long, and when when I'm doing a record and I'm producing an album, my whole life becomes that album. Like I can't focus. I still go home. I play guitar, you know, because guitar for me is an outlet of so many means. So it, it's part of my daily routine is playing guitar, um, but. The thing is, when I'm, when I'm producing a record, I'm, man, my whole life is kind of that album, and you know, I, I couldn't, I wouldn't do band practice. I wouldn't want to be around loud music, and even with earplugs, it still would affect me. It's like I don't go to shows when I'm working on a record either, just to protect my hearing. Um, but you know, so with everybody being from other areas, it kind of um, works out well. You know, I mean, we, we usually everybody flies in a week ahead of time. Um, sometimes a little more if, if it's like, say, with with this tour, I, I, I want to say it was a week, but usually a week is what we like to do is like guys come in a week early and all we do. And at that point, I'm just we're just practicing all day, man, working on stuff and going over the flow of the set. And it allows me to really focus on just on just practicing with the band. Um, it works out well. You know, my bass player, he's from Jersey. Uh, so he lives like, man, I want to say, he lives like 20 or 30 minutes from where my mother lives. So um, in New Jersey. Um, and he just flies down. JJ um, 
you know, a lot of times he flew, even for the making of this record, JJ, uh, flew down just to work with me. We also Skype each other. Um, I got JJ into Pro Tools, so he has Pro Tools, so me and him exchange ideas via Skype. We show each other stuff via Skype. Uh, we, we send each other Pro Tools sessions. Uh, a lot of, in this case, because Jade left and we had no drummer for a while, we ended up sequencing a lot of uh, drums with Superior Drummer just to have demo versions of all the songs and for me to work on lyrics and for us to inevitably find a drummer to have some kind of foundation there, even though it's loosely, loosely a foundation. But, um, I mean, JJ's been in the band for almost eight years now, and we've been doing it that way. Um, and same with, even with Jade, he was from Canada. He, you know, he'd fly down a week early. When we do the records, usually he'd fly down and he'd stay here for, you know, a month, two months, and we just do pre-production and practicing. But we always work on new songs every time we tour. Like, we'd go through the set, then we'd work on new material. But a lot of that is maximized by the fact of, of having Pro Tools JJ having Pro Tools doing a lot of pre-pro on our own, sending click tracks and guitars to, to our drummer and having everything kind of pre-prepared before we even get together to jam it. Then we jam it, and then maybe I'll set up some mics just for a loosely based version of the drums. Then from that, do a straight month of pre-production leading into the album and then start recording the album. So I've had, I've had like a method to the madness for, for many years now, and it's really worked out great. And um, with everybody being from different areas, it allows everybody the freedom to be able to take care of their families, to do everything else that they need to do in their prospective areas. And um, it's never been, I mean, I grew up in playing in Ripping Corpse in New Jersey. We're all friends, uh, you know, Brandon, our drummer, we went to high school together. We known each other, all of us since we were teenagers. So it was different, you know, we all grew up together. We. I mean, we didn't grow up together, but we, you know, we spent a lot of time together. We all lived in the same area. Um, so it was different. But when I, and same with Morbid Angel, when I moved to Florida to join Morbid Angel, we all lived in, in the area. But with Hate Eternal, um, there's been moments of some guys living in Florida, some guys not. Um, in my current state of Hate Eternal, it's, it works out really well this way, honestly, because it, allows me to focus on producing when I'm producing and then it allows me to focus on playing and, and practicing with Hate Eternal when we need to focus on that, if that makes sense. No, it does, man. It kind of compartmentalizes everything and you probably focus better when you don't have to think about the other things, you know? It's true. I think I think with the guys, if the guys lived here, yeah, it'd be awesome in a lot of ways, but the thing is, is that it would also maybe sometimes... Um, it would give me a little pressure to feel like, oh man, these guys are just, they're only down here for one reason to be with, with Hate Eternal, but yet I'm working for the next six months straight on four album productions or something, you know, and, and this way it allows, um, and I always support uh, anybody that's ever, that I've ever played with in, in doing multiple things, because honestly, if you want to if you want to try to not only survive in the music industry or make a name for yourself, I mean, you've got to be a multitasker, especially now. You need, you need to be able to do many different things. And, um, I, you know, I, I, I always believed in supporting uh, every musician I've ever been involved in to do other things, to explore other avenues, and to never limit themselves to do whatever the heart desires, man. Cause you know, I, I, 
from firsthand perspective, I've seen uh, many people's lives cut short early, and, and you know, it's certainly affected me on how I look at things and wanting to really do everything I, my, I've always hoped for, and I always support that with everyone that's uh, I'm involved in, whether it's in the band or in the studio. So, uh, so the new, actually, the, the new record, the drummer that you have on that record is, is not the guy that was out on tour with you recently, right? You had the uh, no, drummer from Obscura, right? Yeah, um, unfortunately, Jason, he had contacted us like two months before the tour, maybe less, and just said that he, um, he really wanted to, um, he had some family things going on. He wanted to stay home and kind of get a permanent job and focus on doing some things, taking care of his family at the time. And that's why he ended up deciding to leave. So obviously it was um, disappointing. So I think Jason did a fantastic job on the album. He's, he's a great drummer. He's a great kid. Um, but at the end of the day, the machine keeps rolling. You know, you have to, I, you know, it's with this band, I've had this band for what, 18 years now. And, um, I've had some band members come and go. I had, you know, one of the most important band members um, in Haiti Eternal's career pass away. Uh, and so, I mean, I've been through a lot with the band. Um, so at this point, I always just, I'm just one of those people that I think, you know, um, rise to the occasion when faced with adversity. And my whole life has been faced with adversity. So I've always become a stronger person to be able to handle um, dealing with these um, scenarios, I guess. Um, you know, even if you even if you look at us working together on the Tombs record or any, uh, ha you know, most of the records I've done, there's always some form of adversities, whether personally, musically, there's always challenges, and for some reason, those always bring out the best in me. And, and um, when I'm faced with tall tasks, um, the hills and the valleys, you know, it's like I'm always able to rise. So, you know, when Jason told us that, obviously we were like, oh man, we have a, our first headlining tour in like seven weeks. So that's tough position to put us in. But um, listen, man, I mean, what I I can't. I don't, I'm not the type of guy like, you know, maybe years ago I was a different person, but nowadays it's like, I, I, I didn't even get angry about it except for more concern of like, Hey, listen, I wish you the best. Take care of whatever you feel like you need to take care of. And, um, this touring lifestyle, playing in Haiti eternal, doing the things we do. It's not for everybody, man. It, it, it's, it's a hard, um, lifestyle. And it's also, very hard music to play and it requires uh, a tremendous amount of um, work ethic and stamina and, and uh, experience and things like that and um, I just knew at that time with Chase and leaving we went with Chase and he was about 26 years old a younger guy uh, didn't have a ton of experience um, but we went with Chase because I felt like he just had this amazing talent and I've been able to be fortunate enough to find and jam with guys like like Chasen and you know Derek Roddy and Tim Young I mean I've had and Jade Simonetto I mean I've, I've been able to I got really good taste in drummers I think uh, and I've always gone with guys that just had amazing talent regardless of their experience or not um, and but after Chasen I just decided with JJ that 
I think it was time for us to venture into working with someone that had more experience along the lines of, of what we have and someone that, you know, um, I was maybe, you know, um, closer to our age and things of that nature. And um, not that that's a huge deal, but certainly um, I think it helps being on the same page of, of just responsibility and maturity and things of that nature. Um, not to take anything away from chasing because great kid, great drummer. He did an amazing job on the album. I could not be happier with what he did, but certainly age and things of that n nature comes into play when it comes to responsibilities and, and touring together and um, how we do things. Man, me at 26 years old is a hell of a lot different than me at 44. So uh, I realized those are important things. And we just decided like, you know, there's a handful of drummers that we love and respect that are absolute, the consummate professionals and Hannes being one of them, we toured with him with Obscura, a fantastic guy, com so committed to the, his art of playing drums and determined. Um, and just a super professional, amazing drummer, amazing guy. And we just called him up, explain the situation, see if he was interested. And uh, he had kind of told us like, hey, give us a, give me a couple days. Um, he's been work playing with his band Alkaloid since he left Obscura, which is, you know, quite different from, from Hate Eternal. And he, he just wanted to kind of get back in the swing of playing a little bit more extreme stuff. Um, you know, certainly Hate Eternal is demanding uh and you know three days later he just contacted us back and said hey man this sounds like a great plan let's do it um and um the rest is history had lots of talks and we had a lot of practicing and Hannes has a studio over there so i sent him all the clicks and scratch guitars for the headlining sets and he was like recording some of the songs like live performances and sending them to me just so i could hear him and i was just freaking blown away by how professional and how badass Hannes Grossman is, man. He he really, um, really stepped up for us. And as we did more shows, it just got tighter and tighter and better and better. And we're looking forward to doing more tours with him uh, next year for sure. Oh, cool. So he's like, you know, sort of a, a unofficially a member of the band or? He's going to be working with us for a while. I, I you know... I looked at it this when Hannes decided, um, when excuse me, when Chasen decided to leave. At that point, we hadn't even released in Furnace yet, so obviously it was kind of like, wow, you know, it took me a little bit to kind of, um, I don't know, gather my 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 wits a little bit and just figure out, all right, what you know, what the hell are we gonna do? First things first, we got a tour. Canceling is never an option, um, and. We've got seven weeks. We can figure this out. And we talked to Hannes about doing the tour, and that led to us talking about future tours and that, you know, hey, for him learning these songs and working on it, he'd love to do more tours with us. And I, so we're kind of in it just let's see how it goes uh, basis. But I can tell you after doing one tour with him, it, it went fantastic. And me and JJ could not be more excited about jamming with, with Hannes. He's He's an absolute professional, and he's a beast on the drum kit, and it really was a, a honor and a pleasure to have him with us on this tour, and we're definitely looking forward to doing more tours with him. Um, he has his own band, Alkaloid. He has his own studio. He's he's a busy guy. He has a solo project. He's um, I think that's why he's a great fit for us, because 
JJ has his own things. I've got my own things. Hannes has his own things. We only tour two or three tours a year um, and kind of allows us to do all these other things. And um, yeah, I couldn't be, as you can tell by my, my rambling, that I, I couldn't be happier with how Hannes just thrown into the fire headliner right off the bat uh, in the States. I mean, man. He did a fantastic job. Really happy with Honest. He's such an amazing, talented guy, man. Yeah, it's it's. I, I didn't really even realize he was in the. I, I I was watching you guys play. I'm like, that dude looks familiar because I, I I'd never seen you play with uh, with the other drummer. And um, yeah, we only did that one tour together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, and then Andrew, like, because you guys played, I think, in Ithaca the next night. Mm-hmm. And you you saw Andrew Hernandez up there, Rochester. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, Rochester rather. Yeah. And then Andrew was texting me, and he was like, "Oh man, you know, you know, fucking drummer from Obscure was in Hate Eternal." And I'm like, "Oh, that's right. Okay, now it all came together because it was like kind of out of context, you know what I'm saying? I was like, "Yeah, this guy looks familiar. I don't know where I know him from." And then it, and yeah, yeah. Well, the New York show I think was our second show of the tour, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. I can't remember. So we were just starting. I'd say two weeks in. You know, man, you know how this is. You know, when you start jamming with somebody, even if they're the best, I mean, it takes time for that chemistry to um, to gel. But man, I knew immediately when we started rehearsing that we were it was going to happen. And and I felt like the New York show was fantastic, man. I, I mean, I felt like we. For our second show, I was even Boston was our first show. I felt like, man, this is great. You know, you could, I could tell that, you know, behind the kid is an absolute professional. You know, and that and that and Hannes, you know, man, he's he's done a lot in his time for sure. He's got a lot of experience. He really studied the songs. We jammed over the songs over and over again in practice at the studio until until there was no more to jam. Uh, so you know, we worked really hard on it, but. Preparation is something I noticed with Hannes that um, is something I truly believe in. You know, I've got a certain way of doing things, you know, um, man, at a certain time, say two hours before, like I'm on, I'm, I'm stretching and I'm getting prepared. Then I'm warming up. Then I'm, you know, continuing this process and um, constantly hydrating myself before I go on stage. Yeah, and, and totally. You know, like I have a certain method that I've been doing for years with everything, I guess, you know, and then, you know, Hannes had a certain warm up method that he was doing every day, the same. And, and, and it was, it was really inspiring for us to kind of, even within one tour of like being on the same page. And then that doesn't happen all the time. Um, and then, and then, and so I'm, it just goes to show, you know, Hannes, I think he's what, 34 or something, you know, he's 10 years younger than me, but he's been doing this since he was young, just like me, you know, I, my first record I was 19 when I did Ribbon Corpse so A Dream with the Dead and you know I think he was I want to say he was 20 or 21 when he was playing with Necrophages and, and then Obscure and you could I could genuinely feel the kind of um, the stability back there and the you know I, I don't know how to explain it but it, it just the gelling happened and as the shows went on the greatest thing was we ended in Orlando or Sanford excuse me Florida which is two hours from my house day before Thanksgiving and it was probably the best performance we had as, as a band for 25 shows and we just ended on a really strong note and, and um, that's always a great feeling I felt like man tour was a success we gelled great 
imagine what the next tour will be like with us three playing together, you know? So it was very motivating and inspiring considering the circumstances with Chase and leaving so abruptly. Um, it certainly was like a, re a relief to me and, and, and helped me get back on track on focusing on the things I need to be rather than focusing on um, band members or lineup changes, you know? You know, that, that's, that's always very, very complicated, especially with 8 Eternal. Yeah, man, I can relate. Like, we've had quite a few lineup changes over the years, too, man. So I totally relate to that. It's normal ground. It's normal territory now. It's like um, people always ask, man, you've had so many drums. Like, well, really, we've only had, what, four drummers in, you know, or five I, not, in 18 years. That's not, you know, considering nowadays, I think we're, we're not too bad. <laughs> you know, JJ's been in the band for almost eight years. I've been here forever. So, you know, I mean, uh, it's 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 kind of it's kind of especially now i mean bands breaking up and guys doing touring for two years and they're like ah you know this ain't for me you know living in a van sleeping out of hotels sleeping on the floor sleeping on cabinets whatever you're doing uh it's not for everybody but you know for me man i've seen the gamut of touring i've toured on cabinets in vans I've toured in minivans. I, I've toured on buses. I've played arenas. I've played shitholes. I've played basement parties. I've played outdoor parties. You name it. I've played it. Uh, I've traveled in all kinds of things. I've experienced a lot. And, and I still have a passion for playing on stage, man. I mean, I just, I've been doing it for so long in my life. I just, I think now, uh, after all these years, my confidence is, is, really high because I've just been doing it took me a long time to build my confidence just as a person um, being the perfectionist that I am and always um, just built off of tearing myself down for my whole life to only pick myself up and build it back up it's just something that's been this process and the last bunch of years I guess when you go through a lot of things in your life, you just get to a point where you're like, you know what? Throw it at me because I can handle it. I can take what you got. Give me, give me the, give me the worst, and I'll, I'll do everything to come out the best. I mean, I just, I, I don't know how else to explain it. So, I feel like when I go on stage now, man, I just, I love playing so much, man, and I just feel so great about what I'm doing and confident with my abilities and and it really translates into my passion for doing this because people ask me all the time man you can just stay home you know as, as you know i mean i you know i i live i i got a nice house with my wife i live at the beach my studio's three and a half miles away i mean i could easily um just produce and and you know and be home but uh my wife knows my whole family everyone that knows me knows that like man i mean i a huge part of me is that guy that you know the musician the player and and first and foremost I'm a, I'm a guitar player you know and I became a producer later and um, it's just a huge part of who I am and I still love doing it. I still got a tremendous passion for it touring is hard driving every night sucks driving in the snow you know uh, sitting in the dingy dressing room the green room is not always like my favorite pastime but um it's all worth it for that hour on stage and and you know seeing people that i've been seeing for decades man you know like and people that really it's because of those people that appreciate 
everything you do. And man, I have some really loyal friends and, and listeners that have been following my career for a long time. And man, it, every time I go on tour, they, they always make it worth it to me because I just realize like it's, um, you know, some bands have bigger quantity of, sh of turnout maybe and things of like that. But I, I feel like for us, it's not about the quantity as much as it's the quality of, of the people and then people that are, they know so much about what I do and my past and my history. And, and that always, it means so much to me that people, you know, I, I'm signing records I did 20 years ago, you know, and it's just like, it, it's, I don't know why it's just, I just have such an appreciation for, for the people that support us. And then I always feel like that I want to give back everything I have. And I always do. I don't know any, I've never half-assed anything, you know? Oh yeah, totally, man. I mean, that's, that's a great feeling when you, people actually, you know, like you're saying, I mean, you know, we're, we're not a huge band. We get a couple people come to our shows, but it is nice to see like, you know, there's definitely like the same people that appreciate it and that that's a real meaningful thing too man like when you you see the familiar faces when you roll into like a town like baltimore or something like that you know or you know there's like really appreciative people and uh just even if you're having a shitty day on tour it's you know it makes you feel like you want to you want to like you know kick it like harder you know <laughs> it's it's true. Or if you have a bad performance and people be like, man, it was fantastic. It always, it always helps. Um, and you know, what's interesting is too, is like meeting a lot of younger kids that are new to what you're doing. And, you know, a lot of times I'll meet kids who are like, yeah, my dad turned me on to morbid angel, you know, when I was young and now I'm 14 and man, I love Hate eternal. It's always interesting. You know, like I find it interesting. I mean, to me, I've always been a guy you know, um, I, I've always, I, I always, it's hard for me to look at myself the way other people do. And, and I'm, I'm glad for that uh, in, in the sense of like, I just feel like I'm one of the guys. I don't feel like I'm any different from anybody else, man. I, I just work hard and I'm passionate about what I do, but I'm not better than anybody. I'm not more talented than anyone. Uh, you know, I, I just, I feel like part of the, gang per se and you know um i just always have been the type of guy that you know man if somebody wants to talk to me about something i'm game you know let's 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 talk let's just let's i appreciate it um and and that's why like for me personally i'm not saying it's right or wrong for anyone else but you know for me personally i've never wanted to be involved in some like vip meet and greet like you can vip meet and greet me all day long anywhere anytime 24 7 if i'm on tour i'll see you outside of the van or at the bar or whatever you know i don't believe in charging fans to have a meet and greet i take photos i've been taking photos with with guys for 25 years i'll sign anything you got i'll talk with you whatever you know uh me personally i've never wanted to be a part of some meet and greet like pay 40 dollars, meet the band like I, I just to me that's just that's just uh i don't know that, that's I, I, a that's a real thing isn't it like, it I, is a real thing um and i'm not judging other people that do it you know i'm sure that i doubt that some band member ever sat there and came up with the idea hey we could get paid for this shit. You know, like it's probably a manager or somebody behind the scenes that comes up with this idea. But to me, um, 
as somebody would tell you, I guess my, my mentality with touring is is more like punk mode. You know, I hop in the van, I, 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 I fucking drive every night, I load my gear, I play. If fans want to buy me a drink, I'll have a drink with them, I'll shoot the shit, I'll sign whatever you got. I mean, it's like this whole... I know that a lot of people would argue and they'd be like, well, you know, man, you should embrace your... Um, I don't know what the word would be. Your, you know, who you are. I do embrace who I am, and who I am is just a down to earth kind of dude that plays death metal for the last forever. And uh, you know, I mean, I just don't sitting there while somebody pays forty dollars for me to sign a poster and they get some special T-shirt on the side. It just doesn't work for me. And and that's why um, I've never been a part of that because I, I mean, I just. I'd rather meet somebody at the merch booth, sign what they want. They don't even have to buy anything. I mean, listen, I, I, it, it's, it's, but I'll never be, sometimes you have a bad show or a bad day and maybe sometimes I'll, I'll not in the mood to talk with anyone and I just go into, uh, you know, a reclusive state, but, but that's rare, man. You know, it's like, uh, I mean, to me, I appreciate everyone that supports everything I've ever done and, it's the least I could do, man. And and uh, what's interesting the last few years is that I've met so many different people, how indirectly I've been able to influence them in, in various ways of inspiration, whether through lyrically, musically, my interviews, just talking with people. It's amazing that you can affect people in that way just by being who you are. And, and then that's why... Um, the older I get, the more comfortable I just become with. I am who I am. Um, I do my best on everything I do all the time. Um, and, you know, you just keep true to who you are and what you do. It's just like with Hey Eternal, same with producing. You know, I do things a little bit different than what's popular in metal these days or what's a norm. And uh, I try to add all these elements of different things from my years of, of learning and experience and add them into just what fits, you know, the moniker of who I am. And um, I learned a long time ago, you just stick true to who you are, man, and, and you're always going to feel be end up on top and feel great about what you're doing. And no matter what you accomplish, as long as you stick to your guns about things, then at the end of the day, you know, you're gonna be a hell of a lot more satisfied than if you compromise all your integrity to have an end result that is not what you expected. And, and I just been, the older I get, the more I do it, the more I, you know, I stick to those kind of, I guess, morals, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, you've, uh, you definitely influenced me, man. It's like since, uh, you know, working together on Savage Gold, um, I can go down a list of things, but primarily is the whole tuning aspect, man. That's like something I've really gotten deeper into after working with you. And uh, also, we have we have some new songs in addition to the new songs on the EP, which we're playing um, on this tour. And awesome, yeah. And and it's I find myself thinking about recording those songs at, during like the writing you know what I'm saying I think about yeah. like how you know like when we when we got together how we broke things down and like um the certain you know different approaches you know like one certain mm -hmm. songs had different different approaches 
And I yeah. find myself thinking about that dur- while while writing. I think about well, Rutan would probably, you know, have this this idea here. You know what I'm saying? And like this is how this is how he probably would try to we would probably try to record this riff this way. So like I don't know. It's it's it's, it's the time that we spent together definitely has made a, an impact on on my playing and just the creative process within the band too. Oh, thank you, man. I you know I always feel like um man if i'm working with somebody whether it's in hate eternal whether it's on a project whether it's in the studio whatever you know i i i have a i have a lot of knowledge around about a lot of things just by sheer experience so i always want to share everything i can you know to um and some things don't apply to certain people some yeah, and that's totally fine, understandable. You know, not everything is um, kind of cross-collateralized. You know, it's like, you, you know, some things just don't mesh and some do. And, and that's why certain relationships work and certain don't, whether it's on a personal level or on a musical level or a production level. You know, um, there's a lot of bands that I know my style of producing would not fit well with. And, and there's a lot of bands that I feel like, man, it would. Um, and you know, the thing is, is like, I learned so much from every record. I learned a lot from the tunes record, man, a ton. I, I learned a ton from the hate blast, hate eternal record or the Christian or the Warfather, and everything I've done before. You know, you keep going back and back all the records I've done. I learned so much from, um, and you know, the tombs record, man, it was, there was so much involved in the record from before the album making our schedules work to do the record due to various things, as you know, and then, and, and having it all come to fruition at oh, the man. end. Oh, uh, talking about, like, talking about like, um, you know, just like hardships. I mean, you know, forever, anyone out there who's listening, I mean, a lot of people probably know this by now, but like, um, Andrew's mom, uh, there was like, she was still alive when we were planning on doing the album. And then we were, it, it was a it was dark man it's trying to figure out andrew's availability around being there for his mom as she was passing away and there was a point where we were going to track the drums in in uh, utica new york we were going to track most of the record up there or no we were going to track the drums up there yes yeah yeah and you were going to fly up to utica and we found some studio that would that would be adequate and then andrew was just going to stay in upstate new york and then we were going to come down to to florida to do the rest of the album and then that was all booked everything was ready to go the plans changed and you know it was just a uh, a very uh up in the air scenario for for a while but it was one of those scenarios where you can't force anything you can't no on a personal level like you gotta care about the person you know and the project takes like second place to that you know what i mean man losing you know with Andrew's mother being ill and then, you know, losing her during that whole period, like, I couldn't possibly fathom, like, what he was going through no. because, you know, I, I all I could do is empathize and know if my mom and put, you know, one thing I've done my whole life is put myself in other people's shoes, man. And to me, with Andrew, I said, man, I got to do whatever is best for him and his family and support him in every way I can. 
we'll get this record done when it's meant to be done. Um, and until that point, family always has to has to come first, man. And you know, in this situation, things change multiple times. But um, I just knew when we ended up doing everything in Florida, you know, how important the record was to to everyone involved, of course. But certainly with Andrew, all he had been through, and yeah, man. You know, those are the type of things that, um, and I've had a few people that have that I've worked with um, bands over the years where they've had something tragic happen during the process, uh, family member, uh, things of that nature pass and, and have to work things. Or in Belfagor's case, Helmet almost died at yeah. heart surgery. Uh, I had to work around his health schedule. I mean, it took us almost two years to complete the whole record, and that was a challenge. Uh, but... The thing is, is that I, you know, if I'm working on a record, man, I, it's like I said before, I'm all in on a musical level, on a personal level, uh, and I care about everyone involved, and I have to, like, so much of my job is not just getting good tones or good performances and mixing, it's, it's like on a personal level of... Um, kind of getting to know everybody on an individual and a collective level on how the band operates together um not only musically but personal wise and then learning people's um how they how they face and handle things helps determine and their musical gift helps determine how hard i can push someone how how when to back off and somehow i've been able to um you know, gauge those things pretty well. You know, I'm, I'm not perfect. You know, maybe I've been too hard on somebody at the wrong time or not been hard enough. Uh, who knows? Probably not. Probably the latter is not the case, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the earlier for sure, I'm sure is the case. But the thing is, is man, for me, I've been through so much in my life um, and experienced a lot of loss in, in my life and in my family and in my friend base and so I've always been very um, I, when you've been through a lot in your life personally it really helps you adapt and be able to work through other people's situations and and do the you know to me it's all about gut decision gut feeling doing the right things if you stick by those as like a mantra and those are things that i try to live by you know at the end of the day you're doing what's right and you know and in, in a lot of these cases man i mean there's i've had so many tough moments in the studio with different people and tough moments in my band and tough moments in my life and, and but those are also those experiences have helped lend itself to me becoming a, a person that can feel like I can handle whatever's in front of me and then you know it, it's a it's a good feeling to have that kind of um, I don't know you know conviction on I'm not gonna let this take this out I'm gonna make sure that I get this under control and figure it out and then that's that's what I've been doing my whole life so it's just like having a music career. There's no consistency in the music industry, man. It's it's like there's nothing stabilized about the music industry. If you want stability, you get in the funeral business because people are going to constantly die, and that's always going to happen. But you know, in the music industry, there's no consistency. You know, it's a matter of just 
going with the ups and going with the downs and, and somehow that kind of works with how my whole life has been amazing peaks and you know and abysmal valleys and you know like, like my I kind of feel like that's helped prepare me for being in the music business where you know I've been doing music between producing owning a business and and playing music I mean I've been doing this full time for you know almost 20 years man so it's like um it's not because I'm any more talented than anyone else or, or smarter than anyone else I just worked my ass off and dedicated myself to to doing this when I was a you know a 16, 15 year old kid, and I never looked back. Um, and and that's what it takes, you know. It takes a lot of grit, I think, to try to achieve success in the music industry, especially now. Well, one of the one of the things one one of the components of this whole story that that uh, I find really interesting is. Is like when you know you're playing a ripping corpse. You're living in New Jersey. You know you grew up there. Like your family, your friends are there, and then you get this opportunity to play in, in Morbid Angel. And um, you know most people, like kind of on a, in a superficial way, would be just like, oh yeah, there's no decision to be made there. Of course, you know, we'll go down to Florida, move to Florida, play in Morbid Angel. But that, the actual process of doing that had to have been difficult, I imagine. Oh, it was real difficult. Yeah. Um, you know, my my whole experience with, um, really from the beginning, like from, you know, obviously Ripping Course, I mean, I played in Ripping Course for, what, almost five years, and um, we ended up disbanding, I think, I want to say it was 93 or 4, and, um, you know, I, I got this opportunity to play with Morbid Angel, when Ripping Corpse was still around, they, they had asked me if I wanted to do a U.S. and European tour for Covenant. Um, and we had toured with Morbid Angel during Alders of Madness and Blessed Are the Sick with Ripping Corpse. I mean, my first show with Morbid Angel, man, I was I was probably, I might have still been in high school at that point. Or just down high school, opening for Morbid Angel and Alders of Madness. And uh, they had asked, you know, hey, would you be interested in... Um, doing two tours with us and, and you know ripping course we didn't have any shows for the next four months scheduled or anything like that so i to sure i went down i you know learned like seven songs in four days half of them were off a of covenant i'd never heard before and so i ended up doing those two tours and then um at that point i i had already done dream with the dead the ripping course record in 91 i had gone to institute of audio research in new york city in the village for a year for audio engineering uh commuting there um and i was working at a studio um called butterfields in red bank um but when i came back from those two sh two tours obviously they were amazing experiences playing with morbid angel but i had every intention of course coming back to ripping course because that was you know, I love ripping course, man. Those are some of the funnest times of my, my whole life, my career. And um, we worked really hard. Uh, we were just a little bit ahead of our time, I think. And, you know, we were having a hard time getting a, a deal after Dream of the Dead, even though we had, like, man, I don't know, probably three albums worth of material uh, between all of us. And um, the band ended up breaking up when I came back a couple months later. The studio went out of business. Uh, oh, 
and here I am sitting there, you know, like, man, what the fuck am I doing? What am I going to do? I mean, I'm only, it's funny because I'm freaking 21 years old or 22 years old, but I'm already like, what the hell is going on? And then more of an angel called me and said, hey, do you want to do a European tour? Um, you know, I'll never forget, you know, David called me saying, hey, you know, what are you up to? And I was telling him, listen, man, you know, my studio went out of business. My band broke up. And I, uh, I'm delivering for the infamous Chicken Magician restaurant. Um, <laughs> my last shit job. Oh, I shouldn't say shit job, but you know, um, it was a hard come down after touring Europe and then working in the studio, going to delivering chicken. But it was a very good humbling moment for me that's carried on to this day. But uh, I had that opportunity. You know, two-week tour with, I remember it was with Cannibal Corpse in Europe. Um, and I remember telling my mom, I said, listen, you know, I've got a, I got, I got a huge opportunity here. And I kind of felt like nothing had been mentioned about me being a permanent member at that point. But I felt like if I moved to Florida and I was down there already and I was doing these tours, um, they they liked my playing they liked my songwriting for and they brought me in there for a reason i just felt like if i moved to florida that would increase my odds and then wanting to make me a permanent member uh, my friend punchy he had an apartment he said you could stay with me for a bit and you know get on your feet um and i remember just telling my mom listen this is a huge opportunity for me and uh, my mom you know as much as i'm sure it, it pained her to say you should go. She knew that I should. And then there was a lot of things going on back in those days in Jersey of uh, multiple things that reasons why I needed to get out of there uh, and, and get a fresh start. And this morbid angel opportunity gave me an, it gave me a, a chance to start fresh. And, and I moved down here and um, with no guarantees of anything, but a two week door, and that's all there was. But I remember packing my car and, I didn't have much, uh, you know, a couple of guitars and a, and a stack and, and some amps and some clothes and packed the car and moved. It was it was really difficult to leave my family and my friends. Um, but I knew that, you know, um, considering some of the circumstance around me, that this was an opportunity that I had to pursue and give it a shot. And um, sure enough, you know, I, I came down here, I did more tours and they decided to make me a member and, and the rest is history. But it, it was, it was um, there was no, when I moved down, it wasn't like I was a permanent member at the time. I was just taking a, I was just taking a risk and, and I had nothing to lose, man. You know, I'd already lost Ripping Corpse and already lost the studio I was working at. But I still had the desire, of course, to play guitar, write songs, and eventually someday own my own studio and produce. And um, considering a lot of stuff that happened in my childhood, I kind of welcomed a fresh start somewhere else. And um, I really, I've been in Florida now for what twenty years. I mean, I, I miss, I miss being home still to this day. I miss New York and Jersey and Philly, and you know, I, miss, I miss so much about being up north. Uh, but my life is, and my whole career has flourished since I've been in Florida. And, uh, man, it was, it was definitely one of the most major decisions I ever made. That was one of the best decisions I ever made. Like, how was it 
when you first moved down to Florida, like how the operation of Morbid Angel, like, you know, was it a lot different than what you were used to playing in Ripping Corpse? I mean, they were, you know, obviously they were at a, you know, a little bit different level professionally, but oh, yeah. was, was there like, you know, these like, you know, seven hour rehearsals and stuff like that? Like, you know, how did, how did the, the, the whole experience of playing going from, from Ripping Corpse into playing in Morbid Angel, how, how was that different? It was, it was, it was completely different actually in so many ways and it took me some time to adapt uh you know because i came i mean when i joined ripping corpse the band had you know brandon and sean and scott and dave had you know ripping corpse had already done two demos they had been around for like you know almost a year and a half at that point before i got in the band um but we all knew each other i mean brandon i knew since i was eight and Sean and those guys, I knew them all since I was 14, man. So it was like, we were like a bunch of dudes that were friends that jammed together. And man, we would we would do crazy stuff, man. I mean, you know, we'd have, you know, band practice uh, parties. And I mean, we were doing all kinds of sorted things, you know. But um, we jammed. I mean, me and Sean jammed together a lot. We were roommates for years. Um, we'd have like steady band practice, you know, three days a week. Like I think Monday, Thursday and Sundays was probably our nights or something. And, um, so it was like that, but you know, with, uh, we worked on songs together and, and I, everything was together. When I joined Morbid Angel, when I started playing with Morbid Angel, um, it was like full time, if that makes sense, you know? So like nobody else does anything else but Morbid Angel at that point. So, I mean, we were, I remember just practicing hours and hours with the band and, and Pete, I would, I remember one time joking cause I came down in the summer and you know, it was hot as hell down here in Tampa. I, we, yeah. we were practicing in the used store facility, no air conditioning, no nothing, you know? And I remember saying to Pete, uh, I was like, Hey man, why don't you just get an air conditioner? here? I mean, it's like 120 degrees. He's like, you know. He was like, fuck that shit. I don't need no air conditioner, man. You know, I was like, he was just, it was like going to, to battle. And I mean, we would practice when we were working on like domination. I remember we would have band practice for hours and hours, six hours, maybe seven, eight hours, just working on stuff. And then I'd go back to Trey's house and work with him all night on the songs. And um, it was just like doing music at a different uh, you know, I, it, it was different because it was just full time. It was like everything I was doing when I was in Morbid Angel was only Morbid Angel. I was just all I was doing was, especially when I first joined during those days before I started the studio or Eight Eternal. Um, you know, it was just like this constant work, and and they had such an incredible work ethic. You know, Pete and David and Trey, um, and attention to detail and. And, you know, the, them being there, you know, they had been doing it longer than I had. They're about seven years older than me as well. So, you know, I, I, man, I was like a sponge, man. I was, I was 21 when I first started playing with Morbid Angel. And I just really soaked in all that knowledge and experience that they had and, and learned. But it was, it was very different. Um, and it took some time for me to adapt of like, you know, when I joined Morbid Angel, like a ripping course, we just wrote whatever we felt. We put it together. We wrote the songs together. We, we and that was that. We're more of an angel, you know. I had a really, um, you know, I would write riffs, and sometimes Trey would be like, "Ah, I'm not, you know, that doesn't really fit the vibe of, of what I was looking for from Morbid." Or it's a cool riff, but that's not it. And I would have to, you know, go through 
those kind of moments of trying to create songs that had my feel, but that also fit within the context of what Morbid Angel represented, um, where Ripping Course was kind of like this hybrid of, of all these different styles. Morbid Angel was strictly death metal, and I, so I had to kind of adapt to different tunings and different approach um, and just the way things were, you know, when I joined them, they were on a major label, you know, they were on, on giant and, you know, the first show I ever played, I want to, the first show I played with Morbid Angel. Now the thing about it was the Academy in New York. Oh yeah. That was like 1500 people, man, you know, and MTV's there and all this shit. And I'm just like, holy crap. I, I was, I remember wishing I had had a warm up show before playing my home area. You know, I was, I was. 21 and nervous as fuck to play New York for the first time with more age. Holy shit, you know, like I, I remember seeing all the Ripping Corpse guys and a bunch of buddies from a bunch of the bands, you know, from back in those days. And um, man, it was like being thrown uh, to the fire right away, you know what I mean? Like it's, but. Um, it was awesome feeling. I mean, playing with more of an angel during those days, Covenant and Domination. I mean, sometimes shows be 800 people. Sometimes we play shows in Europe, maybe like 2,000 people, you know, 1,500, 1,200. I mean, it was when Morbid Angel had just released Covenant. Covenant Domination being the biggest records of, of Morbid Angel's career, you know, and me being, I mean, I was 23 when I, when I did Domination. I mean, I was just a kid, and it was such an incredible, uh, like, wow, you know, it, to be touring across the world and playing with one of my all-time favorite bands of all time and writing i wrote five songs for domination and making a living doing all this it was just it was so much man in, in, a, in an incredible way um and very inspiring to me and and um my experience with with ripping corpse and everything i did with those guys i'm so proud of and that's what um, led me into more of an angel and everything I do more of an angel I learned so much and, and proud of and that's what led me to starting Hate eternal and and everything has a place you know in, in my in my history man and, and I'm so proud of everything that I've, I've accomplished with ripping corpse uh, more of an angel leading into Hate eternal hey so I'm glad to see that your uh, your hand is recovered mm. it's still not a hundred percent man it's still the son of a son of a bitch hand, man. It's it's unbelievable that I mean it hasn't. It's not affecting my playing um, at the moment, which is great. Uh, you know, it's for a while there. Some of the solos up in the higher region, my fingers would cramp up a little bit. I noticed, um, which sucked, but it eventually worked itself out. But it's still not a hundred percent. It still has a little bit of stiffness and soreness believe it or not i mean it just man the doctor he told me he said you know when you get to your age things just take a while to heal and i was yeah. like damn that's hard i guess i've reached that age where the doc is telling you when you get to your age so i was like man i didn't realize i was 44 but i guess 44 is that age but uh it, it's i really damaged the hell out of it and, and i've been trying to take care of it and do my best but it's about 90 95 percent but it's still a little bit uh, you know stiff and but it's not affecting my playing at all um it, it's 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 almost healed so i'm very grateful too man i mean i did everything the doc said i went to physical therapy or uh, occupational therapy or whatever it was and learned stretches and things and um it's certainly the cold weather 
affected it a lot and we're in a lot of cold places in florida see i don't have to worry about that because it doesn't get that cold here so like it's always warm weather my joints feel great you know man i've had a lot of different things man you know surgeries and broken bones and you know, so like uh i appreciate the warm humidity it makes my my all my joints feel better it certainly helps my hand but it i'm i was scared there for the first two months um because man it just seemed like it was never gonna heal and i'm man it's one of those moments where your whole life flashes in front of you of like what would happen if my hand never healed like it would be devastating obviously it's like it made me just think about like different um athletes that had injuries that ended their careers and i i thought about that long and hard about like wow you know it could have been much worse do i i need to be more careful in what i do to protect my hands and my ears two of the most important things on, on that i have uh you know i gotta be more careful so it was, it was a learning experience for sure of like um one i'm human i'm not the terminator even though i like to think i am uh i'm, I'm human and and two i just gotta be a little bit more careful with how I'm doing things. And three, the older you get, the longer it takes to heal. So you got to be real smart about what you're doing. You know, I know you understand that. Oh yeah, man. What? Uh, how did you injure your hand anyway? Well, I, I don't think I ever asked you that. So I was loading off stage. You know, we were we were at that point of the tour. We were main support for DSI. We were going on right before, and you know, I'm always trying to be the absolute professional, man. You know, I always want to get off stage on time i want to get my gear off stage as fast as possible and i want to get it loaded up in the van job is done and you know it's always something that you know um i'm a pretty principled guy as you know and, and like i i approach everything i do in a kind of militant a, a way you know i do things a certain way and it's just like repetition and you know that night i think i was just i don't know i, I mean I, it's funny, I didn't sleep a lot the night before, and I don't think that's an excuse because there's lots of nights I don't sleep on tour. But for some reason, when I don't, sometimes when I sleep less, I actually end up being a little bit more relaxed on stage um, because I'm not, like if I sleep a lot and I go on stage, sometimes I'm almost so jacked up, I'm tense. But I remember that day specifically in Lubbock, I slept like two and a half hours. But when I got on stage, I just felt fantastic. It was a great show, and I was really jacked up in a good way. And I was grabbing my gear to get off stage as fast as possible. And I remember I was carrying my rack, and I'm walking up the side of the stage, and it was kind of a taller stage. And I slipped on the stair, and I started falling. And my sound guy was in front of me, and he caught, oh, no. caught me. But he caught the rack, and then the rack just jammed my fingers because they were stuck in the rack, Ugh. you know, in the handles. Um, and immediately it just started blowing up and bleeding everywhere. It was a freaking mess. Um, and the first thing I thought was like, get ice. Cause my, my, literally my pinky finger and my ring finger on my left hand and my whole hand was blowing up like right in front of me. And I knew immediately like someone, right. Um, like screw the blood. I wasn't worried about that. I, I was worried about my hand blowing up and I knew that I needed to get ice on it immediately. Um, and I remember going to the emergency room and they were like, oh man, you know, it should take three to five days to heal. You'll be back on track. You know, I was like, oh, cool. So uh, I couldn't play my hand. I couldn't even move it. So 
Um, but then I, after like, so we canceled like the next two shows, hoping that it would heal. And then like after three days, I looked at my hand, it was getting worse. It wasn't getting oh, better. It, I couldn't bend my fingers. I couldn't move anything. Literally my fingers couldn't bend. So I knew at that point we had to cancel the tour. We only had a week of shows left or five shows left. I went home to my specialist that I have for different things that I've had over the years. And um, he told me, hey, man, this is going to be a long process. You you know, you've hurt your tendons internally. And, you know, obviously the they were my hand and my fingers were they were huge, man. I mean, they were just massive. So I had to do all these different things. He said, this is going to take time. Might take a few months, might take a year. It just depends on your healing process. And so um it was an unfortunate experience but i learned i as with a lot of unfortunate experiences in my life i learned the hard way and i certainly learned from that it's like man i gotta protect my lot my my goods and that's my ears and that's why we're i've been wearing earplugs since i was a teenager um and you know my hands well, my, my wife bought me these gloves that have, like, Teflor in it, you know? Yeah. So, like, to protect them from, like, anything landing on or whatever she got them <laughs> for me. You know, like, whatever it takes, man. But I, I got to tell you, this last tour when I was loading the van and things with cabinets, I was a lot more conscious of what the hell I was doing because after that hand injury, there's been a few injuries where uh, I thought it might wipe me out. That That was one of them. The other one was when we got in the van accident when Randy was in the band back in 2003, I think it was, or two, um, 2003, and I chipped my vertebrae and, and, you know, I got a missing bone from my sixth vertebrae. I couldn't even feel my arms for like two months because of my nerves and had to go through physical therapy and chiropractic stuff. Those was, that was another moment of like, wow, it can all be taken away from you in, in, in a flash. and. Um, you just hope you do everything you can to get back on track and luckily for me I, I've been able to get back on track and, and uh, feel great again but it definitely makes you realize you gotta be careful out there and you never take things for granted in life yeah man tendon problems all that stuff it's like stuff you just after a while the shit just doesn't heal anymore man you know what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> and you just adapt. Yeah. It, it's like uh, like my neck. If somebody takes an x-ray on my neck, you, you'll see there's a piece of bone missing my vertebrae. I don't think it affects me, but I'm sure, you know, would my neck be better off if it had full bone placement? I'm sure it would be. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it's, you just kind of adapt to it, you know? I mean, I broke my leg when I was in high school. Then I had a tumor in my leg. I had surgery. I, I was in a cast for almost a year. I mean, uh, I mean, I've broken fingers and I've broken my hand. I've, I've, I've had injuries since I was a child due, due to various things. Um, and luckily for me, I heal pretty quick, I guess, only because when it comes to healing, I, I do what they tell me. You know, it's like with my hand, they told me all these exercises and different heat and cold therapies. And I, I, I man, I was, I was doing it pretty diligently because my hands to not I couldn't play guitar for a month so I got home I didn't play guitar for like five or six weeks it was terrible I mean to not be able to yeah I remember I got home from tour the tour got canceled I had to cancel five shows which totally bummed me out felt like total crap about you know 
canceling and letting people down and things. And and then, you know, my wife went to Germany um, to for her last class to get her uh, her master's and she was uh, to learn like global economics. So she was gone for two weeks. I was just sitting at the house, not being able to play with this freaking hand injury. And it, it, I had all this time to just sit here and ponder on so many things of like, wow, man, you gotta be, you gotta think, you gotta be a little bit smarter and, and you're not 21 years old anymore. You're 44, man. But I still feel 20 something. So what can I say, man? Oh, <laughs> I got yeah. a youthful energy. But the fact is, I'm an old man. So, you know, or halfway old man, maybe that's the saying. I don't know. You know, you know what's crazy is there's all this new shit going on now with like stem cells and all this crazy <laughs> shit with like that regenerates like fucking tendons and all kinds of stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah, like. Because I, I always read up about that stuff because I'm all fucked up, too. I got all kinds of injuries, <laughs> like torn fucking meniscus and, you know. Oh, man. You know, and, like, I'm constantly getting fucked up all the time. So I keep reading about all this, like, you know, stem cell research. And and a lot, a lot of people have had success doing that where, like, they just inject the shit into a joint and then it repairs. It's, it's fucking wow. cool. Yeah. I've so. heard of this, like, I've, I've known people that have had to do the steroid injections, uh, not like steroids, like, you know... Um, like cortisone type stuff. And, yeah, yeah, cortisone, you know, not, um, you know... Yeah, not like deca Dianabol or whatever the hell no, that's No, 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 different, <laughs> different, different steroids, you know, but, um, <laughs> you know, but I know that that stuff's been helpful, but hey, man, whatever it takes... I mean, I'm all about, you know, it's funny because I remember when I injured myself, I, I remember um, talking to you about it because I know you've had a lot of injuries from just training. Um, and, uh, you know, I was, the, the things that you had mentioned, I've, I mean, I've been doing for years, like taking glucosamine yeah. and, and things. I mean, I've been taking that crap for years because of just random injuries over the years of, of my neck, uh, knee injuries, hurt my lower back. I mean, I, I've man, I've I've had so many injuries over the years, and and certainly like, uh, I figured, man, when I was young and stupid, I took, I did a lot of things I shouldn't have, and I I ingested a lot of things I should not have. So now I spend money on things I should have and ingest, like vitamins and supplements and things, and you know, um, they certainly I feel like they help, man everything helps it's it's just like man i remember you're the big juicer when you came down recording man i i've turned into like a big juicer myself man i i just i can't believe how much fresh juice like really um just generates so much energy for oh, me yeah certain things i've noticed as i get older like i used to never even like I wouldn't even eat for like three hours in the morning. Like I'd have a coffee and back in the day when I was really young, I'd just smoke a cigarette, have a coffee and maybe I'll eat in a couple hours. But as you get older, you just, your metabolism says, ah, you're not going to like that. Yeah. You want to feel tired and shitty later by all means. But, uh, so I've learned like just by reading how important my protein intake is in the morning and yep. then, you know, exercise, trying to ride the bike in the morning, for, you know to get you know just if, if I ride my bike in the morning I get 
at least like 30 grams of protein or something in there and some fresh juice and things like that man my whole day is so much more substantial with energy and it's just taken to being 44 to realize how these little things really affect you at this age you know when you're in your 20s you're infallible when you're in 30s you're on your way but when you get to your 40s you start realizing that hey man you've got to and I'm still still working on it I mean still working on being healthier and taking care of my body better and um, feeding the machine what it needs to be fed and then and certainly breakfast and protein and, and all those things is so damn important especially in the morning you know oh yeah man like a big breakfast um, that a lot of guys I know do is is like they'll it'll be like ground turkey or ground beef and like al- wow. and almonds or cashews like mix all that shit together throw a olive oil on it and that's like breakfast for a lot of people wow yeah i mean listen you go the next level man i remember you guys eating those those cloves of garlic man i was messed <laughs> studio smelled like we were in italy man but it wasn't the best it wasn't the best smell it wasn't like i was smelling like some penne pasta olio olio and it was it, i was like man you guys are next and those kale drinks and stuff it, it, it inspired me obviously because i have a juicer now and uh, I've, I've been juicing so it, it just made sense i remember talking to you during the whole record and you would explain this and that and i was like makes sense i oh, gotta yeah. start thinking about these things well uh, i don't bring it to that next level like you man that, that's impressive uh the way that you, you're able to uh eat and then your diet and things that's super like uh, you know you're you're i guess you're doing the paleo diet if i remember correctly or yeah you know it's it i kind of go on and off that because it's like yeah you can't really do it's like i found that uh after a while after like a couple months of of being in that sort of ketogenic state it's um it's better to take in some carbs and then also um, like when we were in the studio, like being paleo was fine because I wasn't really expending a lot of energy, like per se. Like I was, you know, we were focusing on more, you know, performing, and it, it wasn't like I was out like grappling for like two hours or like kickboxing and stuff like that. But then when I got back home um, and I started doing more physical stuff, I, there's no way I needed some sort of carbohydrates like sweet potatoes, you know, rice or something like that. Like I needed to get. To get you know, and that's where the paleo diet isn't really ideal for a lot of people. If you have like a, yeah, you need, you need starches here and there. You can't you can't you just do. not have them. You know, you know what's amazing. You know my affinity for Chipotle. Well, oh, you yeah. know Chipotle had that E. coli yep. breakout over the last couple of months. So I haven't had Chipotle in like two months, man. It's been brutal. Is it safe? I, is it safe I'm, now though? I I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it is. Is it? That's the question, right? Like. Uh, I mean, listen, I've had worse things than E. coli poisoning, I guess. I've had food poisoning. That's, you know, I had it many years ago, but um, I, I don't know. I haven't eaten since that whole thing happened. It got me all, like, skittish about it, but I love Chipotle so damn much, so it's affected me deeply because I'm like, damn. I mean, I got you as you know where I live and where my students, I got plenty of food options, oh, yeah. but Chipotle is always like that fast out that I can eat real quick um, and semi-healthy. So, you know, like it's I haven't eaten it in a few months, but I'm sure I'll be back on track, man. I, I can't help it. But to me, like, I mean, there's a lot of other places I eat at down here that have similar formats. I mean, to me, beans, rice, meat, veggies, like it's such a simple 
agglomeration of stuff, but man, I, I just, it's hard for me to, and I'll try to, I try to just eat salads and meats without like the starch, without the carbs, but man, I, I just, I always feel like I'm constantly hungry. Like if I don't, if I don't eat some like, like some rice or pasta every once in a while, then, then I just feel like I'm constantly hungry. Like I could just eat salad like constantly. I love salad, but like I'm never full. It's kind of like, like, you know, I get more full eating just sushi and even that I'm hungry in like an hour and a half or two hours. I guess I'm constantly hungry, but uh, I, I, I enjoy, I, man, I definitely enjoy my I, I just try not to eat it every day because I know that it's, it's not the best for you, but it's all with, I think for me, I try to live in moderation, I guess. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah, I like beer. Am I going to drink a case of beer every day? No. But do I like to have a beer here and there or a few or absolutely. So for me, I'm pretty black and white with a lot of things in my life. But when it comes to eating and diet, I kind of have to be more in a gray area because I, I, I can't do the extremes. Um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't last. You know what I mean? Like, like if I say, well, I'm going to give up this, you know, and then that never works, you know, for me, like I, I have to do things in moderation when it comes to, to eating and being healthy and things. And, and I always figure as long as I'm actively participating, trying to be healthier, then I'm on the right track, man. You know? Yeah, totally, man. You can't like, you can't fucking beat yourself up every time you want. You know what I mean? You have to have the days where you have like some fish and chips or some shit like that. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? And you're real appreciative of that. You oh, know, yeah. When you do have it, man. And when I'm on tour, that's the funny thing with Eight Eternal is like when we tour, actually, if somebody's like, man, what, do you, you, you spend a lot of money on tour? I'd say on food I do because, man, because we were headlining on this tour. We're going on 1030, sometimes 11, um, sometimes later, uh, you know. So like I would, there's, you know, you're done sound check at four thirty, five o'clock at the latest. So you've got like six hours till you're on. So the one thing I would always do is try to find a good restaurant, and I'd go on TripAdvisor and and look up the good restaurants in the area, and always try to eat like a good solid meal in the morning. Like if I wake up and we're driving, because I drive every night, JJ drives every morning. That's kind of been our our regimen for years and years. Um, I wake up, the first thing I think about is finding a store, getting the banana and some fruits and like, you know, maybe some Greek yogurt and some granola or something like, like as soon as I wake up and a coffee, of course, that's like my one, one of my few vices is coffee. But, uh, man, that Savage Gold coffee was awesome. <laughs> Thanks, bro. I appreciate yeah, it, yeah. man. Not to give a obvious advertisement here, but damn, Savage Gold coffee is good. I gotta send you. Uh, I'll send you some more, man. I have a new. I have a brand new roast, which is just getting ready to the to, to drop. It's um. Awesome. It's not available yet, but I'll I'll send you a care package with that stuff in it. Oh, I enjoyed the hell out of it. It's really tasty, man. I, and you know, I drink coffee black, so I'm pretty picky about coffee. Uh, but I, man, I really enjoyed that coffee. It was great. How's that going? Uh, it's going well, man. You know, it's just uh, we got a bunch of cool things in store for next year. Um, awesome. I'm going to be doing some like pop-up stores, like some like physical locations where wow. I'm going to be selling, selling by the cup, you know, instead of just, you know, having awesome. a mail order. And, uh, you know, the goal is to have a shop in the, in the area. There's a couple of locations in this, you know, in Brooklyn that we're looking at. And, uh, 
got a couple of people that are, you know, partners now, like potentially potential partners and, uh, you know, it's starting to come together. I'm really excited about it, you know, and that's incredible, man. Yeah. You know, I love coffee, so it's a lifelong passion of mine. So, you know, me too, man. I mean, and you know, it's amazing that like, I always try to hit up the coffee shops. Like when I'm in, in town, in different towns across, like, you know, it's easy to just go to Starbucks or, or, you know, or caribou. I like a lot sometimes. Yeah, caribou's good. West. Um, but you know, anytime there's like a local mom and pop shop, it's just like going to a local mom and pop record store or something. I always want to try their coffee and things. And, you know, it's always amazing. Sometimes you just find some of the best coffee. I'll tell you when I was in Indonesia, um, man, I had some of the best coffee to this day from Indonesia. Um, and I can't remember some of the names of them, but JJ would remember. He's good about that. But I had some coffees from the Indonesia when I was in Bali that were, they were just mind blowing. And I remember the promoter brought us to the store and said, buy this, buy that, buy this. And I bought a bunch and brought it home. Uh, I was very glad that customs didn't take it because I didn't know if they would confiscate or not. But um, man, I had some amazing coffee from over there in, in that area. Um, it was, it was some of the best I've ever had, man. Yeah, uh, that, that's that's one of the parts of the world that is known for having good coffee. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. Uh, and and man, I had some of the best cups I've ever had for sure. It was it was incredible. I'm looking forward to I mean, obviously Asia, Southeast Asia is an incredible period. I mean, just to be able to say we've played in. Bali and and we played in Dubai, we played in South Korea and Thailand, um, Singapore, Malaysia. I mean, those were incredible experiences, not only musically but just culturally speaking. Um, just incredible, man! Incredible experience. Some of the one of the best experiences of my career, and I, I've had a lot. And I love touring Europe and South and Central America and Australia and Japan and North America and. Uh, but going to Asia, Southeast Asia, and being in like Dubai and Bali, you realize that you are literally halfway across the world, man. You know, it's such different culture. And um, that's what's so great about music is that music transcends cultures and race and, um, and you know, different belief systems and things. You know, there's so, it, it's so interesting about metal is that a band like Hate Eternal can play in Bali and and like connect with fans and and then play in Nicaragua and we played you know Honduras and Brazil and you know we played so many random places um that's what's so awesome about metal it's just such a loyal group of people that are die hard to this music and um just like I am as a listener I am as as a as a musician you know I just love I love metal since I was a young kid and um I never understood when, like, people's tastes change as you get older, and then, like, certainly I feel like my tastes have expanded as I've gotten older. Um, but, man, I don't know how anyone could ever lose the love. Like, like you know, somebody pops on, you know, uh, any, any, anything. Like, let's say Power Slave or Hello Ways or I don't know, <laughs> yeah, some old classic. record that came out 30 years ago. You know, Master of Puppets, you know, Black Sabbath, you know, I'll be 75 years old and somebody will bust out one of those records. And I'll be like, damn, that's the shit. You know, like, I'll, I don't think I'll ever 
not enjoy metal. I mean, I'll be on my deathbed in some hospice and I'll still be enjoying some fucking Iron Maiden. I mean, this is, it's just in my blood. I'll never get metal out of my, out of my loins, man. Yeah. It's just something about the style. I think also like, like, you know, you, if you grew up listening to that stuff, it kind of sticks with you. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things where it's, it's about front your friends. And especially if you play in a band, it's like, it becomes about like the people you meet on the road and like circumstances in your life and, and just like bonding with your friends that, that to me, that's what one of the things like I love about metal is like the music, definitely the music, but then just the people you meet through the music, you know, amazing, and, amazing. The people I, I feel like with me playing in different bands over the years, you know, um, and then also working with musicians in the studio and then touring the world many times over. Uh, it's incredible the amount of people, I, incredible people that I've met that I still see to this day, man. You know, like, that's how music has impacted me. Music, music for me wasn't even like an option. It was like my life's blood to really give me something to focus to get me out of the the place that I was in and I needed something to put my energy to turn something negative into a positive that being my my rage my anger I needed something to turn that to and music became that that avenue for me to be able to express it and through that music I've been able to meet so many people and so many people with different stories and how they started listening to my music or how they enjoy this or you know how i've inspired them through things i've met people from you know i've met police officers that were fans i've met tsa agents that were haiti that are haiti journal fan uh you know uh, <laughs> I've, every branch of the military you know um yeah it's just incredible you meet people and they tell you man this song really inspired me or these lyrics really gave me something to have hope on and it's just incredible it's only through music that you can music is one of those things especially metal where you just but like you know jj my my bass player man he it's one of my best friends he's like you know he's like family man we have such a great bond musically speaking personally speaking you know it's it's like a bunch of brothers being in a band and that's kind of the way i've always approach to having a band is trying to find it's not just about the musicality it's it's about the personalities you know it's like you can have the best player in the world but if he's an asshole then who wants to spend time with who, who wants to live in a van and spend time during some of the most stressful parts of your career in the studio with a guy that you don't get along with it oh, makes yeah. no sense yeah that, um, that's, that's the worst experience I, ever man ever ever and you know everybody's been there with people that you're like man this ain't gelling um and to me when you are gelling it's just such a uh, amazing thing and that's why i always believe collaborations are where it's at uh you know and the big thing with infernus is it was a huge collaboration with jj and i we worked really hard together i mean we co-wrote seven of the ten songs together that's the most in the history of hate eternal i mean the last couple of records I had written most of it. Um, but JJ is such a talented uh, guy, great guitar player, great bass player, has great ideas, great sense of harmony and melody and things. And um, as he's been in the band longer, he's 
adapted more to like the approach of Hate Eternal, which is very unorthodox. And um, you know, the last record we had, we spent a lot of time on it while we were searching for a drummer, and we were able to really hone in on on you know the material and. Um, to me, collaborations by, you know, if you can have collaborations with people in the band, it's awesome. You know, it's, it's just like collaborating with a producer in the studio. When you find the right guy, there's a certain magic that can happen with it, you know? And, um, I believe that it's with music in general, it's, it's always noticeable in my opinion when people gel and when they don't, you know, it's like, you can just feel it. Um, you can feel that kind of chemistry and that's something I've always put into equally as important as the musicality is, is like that kind of vibe in a band and having it be more of like a, um, you know, uh, I don't know, a family kind of a vibe of like a brotherhood of, you know, of being a team. And, and to me, that's what creates and wields the best results. You know, listening to Infernus, it, it, it does sound a little bit different than the other records, um, especially the song. Like, the song that jumps out with when I listen to the entire album is uh, the, the title track, actually, Infernus, the song. Yeah. It has, like, a, a like a kind of a slower vibe, like, more mid-tempo kind of thing going on than a lot of the other tracks. It does. And that, that song, I ended up, that, that's one of the one of the three songs I wrote myself on the record, but um, that song is probably, it's definitely uh, the most diverse song I think I've ever written um, as far as just being, um, I mean, it's like, it's doomy. Yeah. In a, it's, you know, like, especially for Hate Eternal. Yeah, like where, for you guys, it's like a doomy yeah. song for it's sure. It's like doom. Yeah, it's like, yeah. like it's it, it, uh, actually the working title for the longest time was like, uh, you know, it was like doom because it just had this um, end of the world kind of feeling to it, and and part of that is because um, I wrote it during um, you know two losses in my life that affected me greatly, and you know it was during a patch where I was just I was feeling doomy, I was feeling. Uh, and I don't know. It just I was I was in a bad place, and that 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 to me, music has always been. Um, man, I can go through my whole catalog of songs I've written, and so many of the songs were written during tumultuous times, you know. And and I think in Furnace, when I hear that song, I know what I was going through on a personal level, and that's why it just has this intensity to it that captures like this heavy yet somber kind of moment and um it's one of those songs that just stands out amongst our catalog in my opinion just kind of like the fire resurrection or tombow which were two songs i wrote for for jared my you know my bass player that passed away yeah they obviously have a lot of uh deep sentiment to them and then and furnace is one of those songs that just it has a certain something to it, and and it, it's it's one of my favorite songs I think I've ever written, man. It just has it's so unique amongst what I've written, um, kind of in a way like when I wrote Hate Work for More of an Angel. I think that's another song that comes to my mind that just has a very unique sound to it. That when I look back, even twenty something years later, I say, man, that song had a really unique character to it. 
uh, I think in furnace is one of those songs that I'll look back and say man I don't know if I could ever even like get close to duplicating that vibe not that I would want to but it just has like a certain vibe to it and that's what I think in furnace what what we were able to capture the most on this record was just a lot of different vibes and characteristics and dynamics way more expanded than we had ever done um and phoenix kind of started that but in furnace really explored some new territory for us but yet kept it true to what we are i mean we're a death metal band we're always going to be a death metal band and i wouldn't i wouldn't change that for the world i'm i don't think we're ever gonna become something else if, if i wanted to do something really different i would just start a new project you know hate eternal is always going to be heavy death metal um and and a mixture of heaviness speed and and melody and and unorthodox and um it kind of has its own i don't set limitations mind you like i just kind of write and feel it out um and if it feels right it is right and then you know with some of these songs on infernus um there was other songs that we had just dropped that we just felt like they weren't um up to snuff with some of the other songs we were writing and and you know we inferred because we had so much time to work on it those 10 songs were exactly the way they were meant to be that record from beginning to end like i feel like that's an album you really should listen to beginning to end because it, it's it kind of takes you on this path this journey and it's basically a journey of, of a few years of writing and then everything that happened during those years. And then it definitely, I feel like not only from the songwriting, but the performances and the production, it was really like, uh, it, it's out of all, I mean, I'm really proud of all the Hate Eternal records. Uh, I just feel like Infernus really sh showed a lot of, of more dynamics and capabilities of what we can do as artists and as songwriters. And I certainly look forward to, um, I'm always looking forward to exploring new ideas and expanding a bit without losing the integrity of what we are. And, and, and that's always the balance, you know, it's like, you know, I never want to do the same thing over and over again. And, but at the same time, you never want to lose sight of, what this band is and we're an ex, you know extreme death metal band and you know we're we have a unique hate eternals like it's like one of those things man it's like um some people love it some people are like man i can't listen to this crap or or everything sounds the same even though it's completely different it doesn't matter you know it's like it's not for everybody um and i kind of think like hate eternal it's kind of like hot sauce man some people love tabasco some people don't like hot sauce at all you know i mean well hate eternal some pretty hot shit so you know <laughs> it's like it's uh but i'm always trying to explore new dimensions with my playing and you know certainly with jj in there us working together um certainly helped us explore even more territory yeah dude absolutely i mean that that's why that that track really stuck out to me i mean the whole album shreds but like that in particular i was like this isn't something i normally hear from you guys and i was like wow this is no. like a really standout kind of piece that's on the record and you know i mean I, i'm not just saying this because like i got you i'm on the podcast now but that i think furnace <laughs> is like one of uh probably one of my top five of like albums that come out this past year you oh, know. thanks, man. I mean, I mean, I'm not just saying that. It's just that's how I feel about it. You know what I mean? 
we worked hard. I put, man, I worked so hard on that record, man. I mean, I, I, I literally, when I finished, I'll never forget finishing the record. And I was going back with Alan with the test mastering, and I literally sent off the mixes and then literally started the next record, Blackfast, the next day. Uh, and and then from Blackfast, I went into Christian. So it was like the ball continued. And I just remember thinking, wow, you know, I literally to the last second gave everything I had to that record that I could possibly give. I couldn't have done any more, you know. And, and I'll find flaws in everything I do, man. That's just who I am. But for the most part with Inferno, I just felt like, you know, from the performances to my vocals, to the, the, the songwriting, to the, you know, to, to everything. I really feel like it was a, it was a really well-balanced record for Hate Eternal. And, um, you know, there was a lot of records came out this year. As you know, there's tons of records coming out all the time, but, um, I think there's not a, you know, there's not a lot of bands out there, um, you know, that like, you know, it's not like, um, extreme kind of death metal is, is like this popular thing, you know, it, it's kind of like this, um, I don't know what you would call it. Like, it, it's like, it's got this fan base of people that just love the shit. And then the other people are just like, yeah, you know, it's, it's not my thing. Um, but the one thing I've learned long time ago is like, just always stick to what feels right. And, and within furnace, um, I knew, like, even the title track, I was like, wow, this is really different for 8 Eternal. But I just felt so right about it. It just, like, the song itself was so unique, and I just felt like, wow, this is really a standout tune. And, and as I started playing it live, I realized, wow, this song is such a, a standout tune for our catalog and um, of all the songs that I've written for 8 Eternal. I mean, it's, it's got to be... Uh, one of my favorites, man, at, at the top. And, and the album, um, yeah, I mean, Furnace, it's, it's really, it's, it's got to be one of my proudest moments as an as a artist and as a producer. I mean, it's one of my favorite records I've, I've, I've done. So it's, it's, a, it's a nice feeling to be able to sit and say that because I'm so hard on myself about everything I do. And anyone that's ever played with me or worked with me knows that. Um, but when Furnace, when I finished it and I listened to the master version and the high resolution audio version, and I had to proof the vinyl version and proof all these different versions of mastered for iTunes, we did as well. Um, and um, at the end of the day, when I was done listening to all the proofing, I never wanted to hear the damn thing again. I was like, man, I was so wrapped up in it for so many months. Uh, but I also felt like, man, I gave everything I had, and 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 that that's a good feeling to know you laid it all on the table. Yeah, no totally. compromise, you know. Yeah, man, it definitely shows, you know. Yeah, Thank definitely you. in furnace. It's funny, like I hate when people ask you to do a, make a list of the, you know, your favorite records come out in a year because like mostly I can't really think of like five records to be honest with you. A lot of times. no. Like, but right away, the two records that come to mind is your record, and uh, there's this uh, Polish band called Magua. They're like this black metal band. Yeah. They had a record that came out this year called uh, Exercises in Futility. And um, that, if anyone ever, ever asked me, like, you know, for this year, those are the two records that came out this year that I'm, like, pretty hyped up on. Like, your record and the Magua record. Like, my, I guess that's my, my top two. <laughs> top two yeah it's people ask me to do top 10 things all the time and the funny thing is because 
I end up working in the studio so much that you know sometimes I might not even go a whole year hearing 10 different records except for the five or seven I worked on yeah because you know when I'm working in the that's the only I guess the only thing about producing and stuff is that it definitely limits my listening freedom per se you know because you know when I leave work the last thing I'm doing is like popping something on the stereo honestly sometimes I'm just listening to silence I got the windows open I'm getting some fresh air I enjoy the silence um, so it limits my ability to hear you know multitude of albums um, because I'm producing or mixing all the time uh, but when I get to listen to music is when I'm on tour and we're driving and I'm cranking tunes in the van and and that's really my my best bet so a lot of times when people ask hey can you give me your top 10 records this year I'm like man I don't even think I heard 10 records this year you know, and I feel kind of it, it would be weird to like do a top five and they just happen to be all bands I, I worked on that year. <laughs> that'd be a little, uh, that'd be too much, man. Yeah, you know, but, like, but those records usually don't come out until like the, the following year sometimes, like when you're working. That's true. You know, it's like that's not even a, like a current thing, you know. It's and that's of, why it's it's so hard, like, man, because um, I know like the top 20 lists and top 10 lists are all coming out now, you know, and, um, it's cool that like I see Hayden Terrell first has made some and then some have done it but um, to me you know man Hayden Terrell it's never been about hype or you know it's never it's never been the I, like I've never done anything that was the in thing you know like there's nothing I've done like everything I've done I think my whole career has been pretty unorthodox and, and pretty um I don't know. I, I don't know what the word is, you know, just offbeat, I guess, you know, and, and like with Hate Eternal, I mean, we're, I, I always appreciate when people, you know, say, Hey man, this is one of your, my top 10 records a year, man. We got you on the list. I'm like, man, that's awesome. But at the same time, I, I know that Hate Eternal is a very, um, it's a special entity, man. You know, not everybody, I feel like Hate Eternal is one of those things that if if somebody listens to Hate Eternal once and they just pop in a few songs, I don't think that it's it, Hate Eternal is not one of those things you just can listen, especially in Furnace, man. It's it's something that requires multiple listens, I think, to really understand what the hell's going on because um, it's pretty complex. So um, I appreciate any accolades I ever get. You know, obviously, like couple uh two months ago uh i had a guitar world feature and that was huge oh, for me it. man yeah that, that was it was my first first actual feature in guitar world of my whole career and i've had reviews and things but um it was definitely something those accolades was like thinking i just like immediately my brain went back to when i was like a teenager saying man someday you know i want to you know i want to craft a unique style of playing and own a studio someday and produce my friends bands but most importantly produce my own records those those were my my you know at that time lofty goals uh you know and um to like you know all these years later to be in like engineering magazines or being you know um being in some of these other magazines or being uh honored for certain things it's it's pretty awesome man it definitely 
it definitely like brings you back full circle to where you started and and it's like one of those moments i mean i've had a lot of those moments man you know uh you know the being guitar world was just one of those things as a kid you you hope someday when i would read through it and i'd see you know randy rhodes and eddie van allen and then guys like that i'd be like man you know i hope someday i can be in one of these mags i hope i could be good enough to even be in one of those mags someday you know or or things like that and but i always had modest wants you know like i always just was like man if i could tour and create a style of playing for myself and 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 make a legacy with what i do um man i, I you know at that time it was lofty because most people besides like my family probably thought i was kidding myself you know like i remember teachers and my principal they'd always say man what do you want to do with your life and i'd always tell them like man i want to be a musician i want to do records and tour the world and have a studio and they'd always say yeah but what do you really want to do and i was like well that's what i really want to do you know and i remember my principal in high school i remember him telling me eric you know he was giving me like the the rundown of like and granted i was um I was a total juvenile delinquent for many years, so I, I, uh, <laughs> I'll lay that on the table there to explain. But I remember my principal saying, listen, Eric, let's face it, you're not college material. <laughs> your, your best bet is working in a warehouse, pumping <laughs> gas, <laughs> you know, doing something like that. I mean, let's face it. And I remember saying, you know, I'm telling you what I want to do and what I'm going to do. And I'm so damn stubborn. I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm such a stubborn, pig-headed, black-and-white kind of person that... I, like I never even thought about failure because all I knew was like, uh, and I had a lot of motivation, not from only that, but from uh, other more personal, deeper motivations of of wanting to succeed and and um, kind of do things that nobody thought I could do. And I just never even thought about failure. I always just thought about I must do it, and I'm not going to stop until I do. And um, it wasn't really until the last, it wasn't until I hit 40 for some reason, for some reason, when I hit 40, it was the first time, believe it or not, in my whole career where I able, was able to reflect on things and start to look back and say, well, shit, man, I've been doing everything I've wanted to do for more than half my life now. And, and you know, how many people can say that, you know, I mean, it, it just, it wasn't until the last couple of years that I've able really been able to, I mean, not not sit around on my laurels and pat myself on the back and say, oh, you know, not nothing like that. It's more about just um, acknowledging what I've done and and kind of reflecting on it in the most humblest of ways. And the more I do this, the more humility I, I, I feel, I guess, and then all these amazing high points and low points have had made me even a more humble person um and and that's why people that are cocky or arrogant you know like i never for me it's the opposite i think i i've become the older i've gotten the more i've accomplished the more humbled i've become by the fact that i've been able to do this for so long and i've had so many people help me along the way and i'm always grateful to them and all the people that helped me and all the instances and the amount of hard work that i put into this to get here uh it, it's just it was a hell of a journey man you know <laughs> to, to, to get to where i'm at now uh and that journey 
it still continues, you know, but it's, it's a different, it's a different path now in, in, in my forties of where now I think about, um, things in a different light, you know, it used to be like, man, I want to do everything, man. I just want to do this and do that. And now it's more, um, it's not about doing everything as much as it's like the quality over the quantity, if that makes sense, you know, just yeah. really doing the right records in the studio and really doing the right tours and doing the right records as, as an artist and, and making all the right decisions and being a good, um, husband and son and brother and brother and, and uncle and, uh, you know, and, and, and friend and things like that. And, and just, it takes my life has taken a much more karmatic approach of like trying to do right by other people and what comes around goes around and i've seen that over the last many years of my life of like man i've been trying to do the right thing by many people including doing the right thing for myself and it's come back to me tenfold over the many years um it just makes you a believer in that you know the whole the old adage man what comes around goes around man it, it, it's so true man I, I mean i believe it i'm sure a lot of people skeptics would say you know whatever but uh i truly believe man and you know the the more i i'm on this earth the more i want to be a better person a better everything um and it all comes back to you at the end of the day i think you know yeah totally man that's uh, i try to live my life in a similar fashion too you know, especially thinking about where I want to put my energy, like is in certain things, like you were saying earlier, where it's like, you know, you want to do everything, but then maybe it's better just to focus on a few things and do them awesome, you know? It's tough. It's tough because I'm so damn ambitious. So I want to do like, I still, I have to control myself from doing everything. But there was a point, I remember... Man, there was a point where I was like doing Morbid Angel, I was doing Hate Eternal, I had my last project and the studio. And I, I just remember, it was crazy. I remember um, during Conquer the Throne, I did a Hate Eternal tour. It ended at the Wetlands in, in, the, in, in New York. And, and I remember I literally got on a plane and I flew to Germany and I played Vakken the next day with Morbid Angel, you know, like. <laughs> And then, you know, I remember I finished King of All Kings. The next day, I was playing with Morbid Angel opening for Pantera. You know, like, uh, I remember doing gateways with Morbid Angel. The next day, I hopped in a car. I drove to Big Blue Meanie in New Jersey and started recording the last record two days later. Like, I remember there was a time where I was doing back-to-back -back records for a year straight, year and a half, like 11 records back-to-back. -back. And I learned from all those things of, like, one, like, what the fuck were you thinking doing all that? Um, but I'm such an ambitious person, and, and I want to take uh, advantage of all the opportunities um, in front of me. But I've learned over the last few years, big time, man, that I can't just do everything. I can't do everything because, because when you try to do too much, then everything... Um, everything's compromised and and even still to this day if people if people look what i'm doing a lot of people say man you're doing too much you should do this or do that they you know but i'm doing i wouldn't say i'm doing less i'm just focused more on the things i'm doing and not i'm spending more time on the things i do quantity 
is less quality is better and I feel like my records have benefited from that uh, by focusing on just a certain amount of records a year and a certain amount of tours per year and a certain amount of time for writing and creativity and there's still other things in my life that I want to do that are involved with music and it's just a matter of time um, so you just kind of have to focus on what you can and for me what I'm 44 years old um, I mean, when you start getting to this age, you start thinking about things in a different context. Like, how many more, how many years will I tour? I don't know. I mean, I, I, like, if somebody said, dude, will you be touring at 50? I would say, yeah, because I can't imagine not touring. But things happen in life, you know? People, people get injuries. People have life-altering things in their family that stop them from doing things, you know? Like, you just never know. So... The one thing I've tried to implement in my life is, is I used to spend so much of my life living in the past due to just scars and, and things that I experienced in my life that really affected me, that's taken me decades to work myself out of. Um, and it's a good feeling to say in the last couple of years, I've been more focused on the present and living in the moment. Um, and that's something that I didn't, it was hard for me to do because I was so submerged in so much um, baggage from my childhood and my past. And, and to be able to be at a point in my life where now I'm, um, I still spend some time in the past. There's no doubt about it, uh, you know, because those things never leave you. But I'm living in the moment and, and appreciating the moment and looking ahead towards the future. And those are things that weren't synonymous with with my whole mental um, capacity for many years of my life. And, and that's something that's just taken a lot of work and effort on myself and trying to better myself and, and really focus on what I want to do. In the last few years, I've really been trying to um, kind of look out and say, okay, man, you know, I'm, I'm 44 years old, man. You know, what do I want to do? for not only for this year, next year, the next month, what do I, what do I want to achieve with the rest of my life on, on not only a, a professional level, but on a personal level. And, and, and those are things that um, I've always been reminded of my whole life because I've, I've lost a lot of people close to me and, and some in very tragic ways that affected me and always will affect me. Um, but through those moments, it's helped me grow as a human and an individual to really grow to appreciate more and more of what I have and what I've accomplished and the people around me. And, and, and that's something that has taken a long time for me to uh, mature into and, and also grow as a human and an individual is, 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 is like really life is short, man. And you've got to really take, advantage of the moments you have um because you just don't know when it's going to be gone you know oh yeah man i wrestle with that on a daily basis when you start thinking about how you're actually spending your time you know and um you know it's it's, it's, a, it's a heavy thing man you know you, you realize you know like a lot of people like they, they always think that there's going to be tomorrow or the next year but you're going to run out of tomorrows eventually you know, it's true. And you, you got to If you want to do something, do it, you know, and you can't really, you know, and 
talk yourself out of it or be, you know, or, or be motivated mm-hmm. by fear because you, you know, you're, you know, this is, I don't know, I don't have self-confidence to do something, but it's like, you have to find that, that sort of, uh, drive to do, to at least try, you know, and take and, chances. Yeah. And, and the, I guess the funny thing is it's, it's so easy to fall into complacency and, you know, and just, um, allow yourself, well, I've got a stable this, or I've got this and that. And, um, I guess luckily for me, I kind of feel like, man, at this point in my life, like there's not many people that ever, man, if you went back, you know, 30 years to when I was in high school and you could talk to these people that I went to high school teachers or students and they said, Hey man, you know, Eric or Tan, what do you think? Think he's going to succeed at, at music or any level, I'm sure that the majority would have said, well, he'll probably be in jail or dead or, you know, who knows what. Um, there's not many people I think that would, you know, say that they would thought that I would succeed in, in music. And for me, I feel like there's a lot of things I didn't accomplish that I may never accomplish. Um, and I've grown to, you know, things take different paths and different journeys than you you expect. Uh, but I've grown to um, kind of accept those. Like like a ripping course, man. I never like when I was a ripping course. I never thought we'd break up. I thought we'd be doing records for eternity, man. You know, like we'd have 10, 15 albums out. You know, and then obviously that wasn't meant to be. And when I joined Morbid Angel, I never thought I would end up leaving um and and i always knew i'd do my own band with haiti turner i always knew that was something i wanted to do i always knew i would have a studio someday and produce and that's why i went to school because it was something i was interested in um but i certainly never knew that it would take the path that it has um and you know there's a lot of things that have happened for the for the better for me um and if it wasn't for all those things leading to that they wouldn't exist uh you know if ripping corpse had never broke up i would have never joined morbid if i had never left morbid i don't believe that my producing and mono recording would have became as prevalent as it is let alone hate eternal and through that i also met my wife and and you know like all these things are just branches of that tree you know and it's amazing that you know all those all these things some were you know all those things in my career were very fortunate there's things in my life that happened that were very unfortunate but the accumulation of all that is what made me who i am today and and for that i'm really appreciative of the fact that i've been able to endure a lot of things and and come out of it a better person and more focused on the task at hand and um but I'm certainly at a point in my life where I feel like, um, man, I'm always looking, I guess I'm always looking for like, like I never, I mean, you know how hard it is to succeed in the music industry. You know, I feel like at this point, like with playing music, man, I've been, I'm so grateful that I've been able to do records and tour for 25 consistent years, man. You know, it's like, it's incredible and and now the studio and producing some of my to work with all these incredible bands that i love and 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 had such great experiences with and um 
it's like two things I have such a strong passion for that I'm, I, I can't imagine me not recording and not playing music and writing music and touring. It's like almost impossible for me to fathom not doing these things. But by the fact that I've been able to have moderate or limited success in both of those ventures, um, some would say more than that. Some would argue either way. But for me, I feel like I've, I've been doing what I really wanted to do for so many years um, leading to this. And now I think about, okay, what's that next um, not that I want to stop, but I'm always looking for like, what's that next like adventure that I want to take that next gamble per se, you know, like I gambled hard on so many of these decisions that I made with my musical career and they all paid off and they all were worth the gamble. And so I'm always thinking, okay, what's next? You know, what's the next thing that I want to give a shot at, you know? And, um, the funny thing is I never thought I'd ever feel that way because having a successful musical career or having a, a business that succeeds or having a studio or producing career, they're so out there when you're a kid. They seem so far away, man. You're like, man, you know, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to achieve these things, but I'm going to do everything I have to to do it, and I'm not going to stop until I do. And then all of a sudden you, you hit your 40s, and um, a big part of it was um, doing my resume uh, for Enrique, it's he's a miss. He wanted me to put together my resume of what I've done, producing and 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 um, in the studio and musically. And it took me like a month oh, to yeah. accumulate list. And it was the first time that I was able to look at in paper what I've been doing since you know twenty five freaking years ago, and and somehow it really hit me. I, it's unbelievable. It took me that. It took me 43 years to to see it in paper to really realize. Oh shit! No wonder the last 10 years of my life gone so fast. It's because I've done freaking this amount of records and I've written this amount of records and toured this amount. And it was it was one of the. It was a really great moment that I'm so grateful I I, I did that because it really made me look at like wow, you know what. I always feel like I could do more. I always feel like I can do better. But at the end of the day, it's not too shabby. So, like, you know, it, it's, a, it's a good good feeling. And it motivates me to say, okay, what's next? I'm always looking. Uh, and, and everybody will know you. I drive, um, you know, Gordon, who obviously runs Season Miss and manages Hate Eternal, is one of my closest friends and, and somebody I trust completely i'm sure i drive him nuts constantly because i'm always like thinking five steps ahead you know and like I, i'm just one of those multitasking guys that's always thinking about eight I, you know or or maybe in in um easier terms add ocd you name it any of the d's i've got it but uh i'm always thinking a million things ahead and um it's hard for me to just think about one thing. I, my brain, it just doesn't allow me. And that's why, Haiti Turner, I play guitar, I sing, I, I play music, I produce. I own a studio, I produce. You know, it, it's like, uh, why limit myself, right? You know, I mean, I say, fuck it. If I can, I, I just wanna, I wanna do everything I can, but at the same time, what I'm doing, I wanna make count. And, and the older I get, the more I realize what I do must count and it has to be better. Everything has to continuously get better. And luckily by all the experiences that I've had, it, it, I learn a lot. 
um, from everything I've done, you know, and then certainly recording tunes, one of those things that was important, you know, was huge for me. I learned so much from recording tunes and learn and recording Cannibal Corpse for three records and Goat Whore for four. And, you know, the Mountain Goats, such a unique album for me and recording Madball and Agnostic Fun and all these, all these records that I've, I've just had the, um, the, man, the fortune in Belfagor and Christian. I mean, I, it's only green. I could just keep going on with the learning experience I've had from working with all these records and bands. And um, it's a great feeling to know that I still have so much more to learn and I'm open to learning everything and then expanding. And that's, and that's really, the minute you think you know everything is the minute you don't know anything. Yeah, man, that's like a really humble way to look at it. You know what I mean? I think it's important to progress, to not become stagnant. Um, and I look at that way, musically speaking, like there's so much I want to learn musically. Like, I, I, man, I, man, when it comes to theory and, and scales and what's I, mean, I don't know shit. I know I'm playing a lot of them, but I don't know them by <laughs> terminologies. I, I just don't know. I just have a great ear. I've been able to figure out my guitar and, and I hear things, as you know, I hear, melodies and harmonies just in my head i hear all kinds of crap in my head uh, my ears i hear a lot and uh, i've been real fortunate but there's so much more i want to learn about musical history music theory um producing engineering and a lot of that comes from experience a lot of it comes um from studying and um i think learning is like an eternal craft man y you know you always there's always so much more to learn um and uh I look forward to just learning more and more as I as I do this in everything I do, in every record I do in the studio. Oh man, I learn so many things on every album I do of of what not to do, what to do, how I can better my craft, and, and um, that's what's great is like when you've been doing it as long as I have, and you're constantly reminded of how you know. Um, there's so much information and knowledge out there for you to, to, to gather and you'll never have a grasp on all of it. And so all you can do is try to inform yourself to the best of your ability uh, within the time frame we have on this planet, man. And, and, you know, that's something I think about all the time of trying to um, kind of uh, embrace so much when it comes to knowledge and, and just learning more about everything I do and then some it's important so what do you got coming up uh, next man as far as like uh, with Hate Eternal and with the studio like any anything exciting coming up down the pike for next year well I'm actually um, well so I'm actually I'm actually um, I'm doing vocals for a project that I, oh. I don't want to I don't want to say what it is yet because it, it hasn't been announced. So, okay. um, but it's a really neat project that I got asked to just sing on, oh. um, which is really was you know it proposed a, a, an interesting challenge because I, you know, I'm known as a guitar player that sings and I'm known as a producer, but uh, I got asked to sing and write lyrics for a project. Um, with uh, two guitar players that I really respect and um, 
in the next couple months it will become more public knowledge of, of who and what it is but um, it's something I'm working on right now um, finishing up lyrics and tracking the vocals next month uh, which is I'm really excited about because it's I'm surprised and even the guys in the band were surprised that I took it on because I have so much going on but it 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 was like a musical challenge that I thought wow this is interesting the music is it's very heavy it has elements of death metal and other forms of metal but it's something very unique and I felt like it will really give me an opportunity to explore the dynamics of my voice and what I'm capable of because I've never written lyrics over uh, really anything else but Hate Eternal and, and my own projects like Alas. So it's been a, it's really been an interesting challenge for me um, and, and I'm really enjoying that. And studio wise, I'm, I'm mixing a band called Earth Rot uh, in January and they're kind of like um, a freaking awesome band. You know, they, they're, um, from from Australia and uh, they have like this I don't know how you describe it I mean it's hard to describe but they're totally got this really heavy super heavy kind of old school raw sound and I mean they're an awesome band they contacted me and I'm mixing that and then um, we're actually working on uh, going to Europe in the springtime uh, and we haven't finalized the dates yet or anything but that's our that's our next venture and hopefully we're planning on actually going to Southeast Asia and South America as well and probably do another um, there's been talk about you know us doing another tour in in the States for sure next year in the summer or fall maybe earlier depends um, and I got a bunch of other stuff coming in the studio but I can't really discuss it you know yet because it i always have you know i always have to wait until the kind of official announcements yeah and i get you you know pr people get a little sensitive labels get sensitive about that stuff yeah they do oh one thing i've learned man you, you know um man you know you it's a different era of of like you know you say something and man it could turn into a story of its own you know but but I'm not a guy that worries about what I say too much I just kind of leave everything on my sleeve I mean I can't help it that's just my personality it's that northeast mentality right you know it's oh, like yeah. uh you know you you know the same man. Eh? you know like uh, I mean I live in Florida certainly Florida has helped me become uh more um I mean people down here they're very laid back and relaxed and people for the most part they're just happy down here i mean people are happy it's sun they, you know i live near the beach and like hey how you doing they're really friendly i mean it, it's a it's a vast contrast to uh, you know uh, um a lot of kind of where i grew up i guess and, and not completely but you know it's a very different vibe but my mentality is still of like a northeast mentality you know i still had that kind of um, I don't know. There's a certain type of energy and work ethic and things that come from being from from in those parts, and part of it is a little bit of an aggressiveness, I guess, and and straight shooting and to the point. And um, but Florida has certainly kind of eased some of those rough edges on me in a good way. Of, of you know, uh, I remember when I first moved down here, I went to a restaurant, 
this guy he's like trying to strike up conversation he looked a little you know i hate to say that i'd be this judgmental but he looked a little shifty and you know he was saying this and i remember saying to him listen the fuck do you want you know and he was like i was just trying to strike up conversation sorry to bother you and i remember sitting there saying wow this is not jersey you know what i mean like this is this is a you know i remember going to 7-eleven having an officer hold the door for me and i was just like wow this is this is unique um so i you know, there's a lot of things that happened when i moved down here that made me realize that um you know it's it, it, it's just a different way of of things down here and i think because the interesting thing about florida it's a it's a conglomeration of various people all my neighbors are from the north you know my one neighbor is you know, from, uh, from chicago and there's people from philly new york there they're all from like uh, there's only one or two people that even live near me that are from florida so it's like a hybrid of people but certainly um i want to say living in florida has made me maybe a bit of a nicer person maybe i mean i don't know if that sounds messed up but yeah, it probably just takes the pressure i mean living up here in the northeast man new york new jersey area yeah, there's a lot of stress you got to deal with on a daily basis, man. And I think that if you remove that stress from a lot of people that live up here, they might their personalities would change a little bit. They might become a little nicer, a little bit more easygoing. I did. And you know what? I'm so proud of, like, where I'm from and how I grew up. And I'm so grateful that um, I, I come from the Northeast. I still have that same mentality. And, and that type of mentality, and a lot of that comes from where where I come from, a lot of that comes from work ethic that just came through my family, you know, man. My family is a bunch of hardworking people. Um, but that straight to the point, straight shooting kind of mentality, I still have, and everyone knows that, you know, that's just my personality. And I'm so grateful for that uh, because, man, you know, I, I, I miss... I miss Jersey. I miss New York. I miss so much about being in the Northeast. Um, but but by coming here and giving myself a fresh start and and I, everything I do has so much stress and pressure, I kind of believe by living in Florida, living near the beach, all those things really help me and my psyche um, and my anger management is, <laughs> issues that I've had for a long time. You know, it, it helps. It helps me so much in, in almost like a meditative state. I know it's a little extreme to say that, but it does help me. I mean, I go to the beach and sometimes I just sit there on the way to work for five minutes, just listen to the sound of the waves and listen to uh, the air and, and just get my mind straight. And, and uh, I think, you know, I miss a lot of being up there. And of course I miss my family and friends but because I have that Northeast mentality and I moved to Florida, I feel like that really is an advantage that I have being here because I'm just, I have the same work ethic I've always had. Um, I get straight to the point. I don't beat around the bush, man. I, there's not enough time to like candy coat and placate people all the time. I just, I just, I don't, I don't have time for that shit. You know, I, I'd rather be straight to the point and I don't like to try to offend anybody or whatever. Um, I usually try not to give my opinion on things unless it's prompted, you know, but if you ask my opinion, I give it, but I try to keep opinions limited, uh, but because I have strong ones, but, uh, you know, growing up in the Northeast, it certainly was something that I consider an asset, um, and it's really helped me succeed on many levels um, and helped me kind of 
it's easy like it's easy for me to work with guys that have that same mentality and that's why any of the bands i've worked with um man i've worked with bands from man all so many continents and, and different things and it's always easy um working with guys from the northeast in the sense because like everything's on the table there's no like yeah. Candy coating. It's just like, hey, man. You know, somebody else would say, man, I think that sounds like shit. I'm like, all right, next, let's 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 work on it. Let's make it better. You know, rather than like, um, you know, what's what's the word? Uh, I can't think of what I'm looking for, but the um, uh, passive aggressive. Yeah, that's, oh, there that's you go. My favorite. <laughs> Passive aggressive approach drives me fucking nuts, man. Like, I'll tell somebody, let's say what you gotta say. I don't care if it offends me or not. I'd rather you offend me and and, and lay it on the table than just like candy coated or, or feed me a bunch of bullshit. And that that's kind of like a northeast thing for sure, man. It's it's like um and some people call it rude and blah blah blah. I just call it real. You know, it, yeah. it's like to me. The realism of the Northeast, man, I, I love it. And and I always, every time I go back to visit my mom or go back to Jersey or New York, I always get a, a big taste of it, you know? Like, man, I mean, just random, random things that... It's funny, when I go home to visit, I definitely become more the Jersey rutan than, than the Florida rutan, which is interesting. Like, I, I automatically fall back into certain um, characteristics of of kind of the person that I am still, but has been modified. I become more the purest guy from back <laughs> in those days. It's weird. I don't know how to describe it, but uh, I just fall back into place. It's like some people say they hate driving in New York. I like flourish in New York, man. With that Sprinter, man, I drive. Fucking, I got that shit under control. I love driving in the city. I don't like traffic, but I don't care. With a 24-foot vehicle like I got, man, I got that shit covered, man. I, I like love... The, I love chaos and like you know <laughs> hate eternal controlled chaos man it, it's just it's just a way of life i guess man <laughs> <laughs> well eric man i really appreciate uh taking your time out and uh and chatting with me man it was a good it was a good uh a good episode man oh man it's my pleasure man always i'm just glad to catch up with you man yeah, Shoot fuck shit. yeah. and also you know we tried we we conceptualized possibly doing this like the night of your show but this is way better i think that we oh man we did it yeah. after the fact and it was like a little bit more relaxed you know what i mean and you know able to totally go, off, relaxed. go off on tangents a little bit more you know it's good if if i had done this that night man that, that there was so much chaos in New York and I had so many people there and interviews and yeah. and just the regular hustle bustle of, of of just parking, getting my shit in. And if you remember at the end of the night they had like like a, I think a rap concert coming in, so we had to get our shit out in the street and like to you know, you know, to you know, usual New York City style, man. So like to do this interview then it would have been like, you know, it would have you know, it's this is this is great, man. This is it's not even an interview. It's just like me and you talking about things, and then that's I feel like a lot of the best stuff that I do when it comes to interviews is just like like this, not like so. You started this in this year, and you did it like sometimes when they're too formatted, it kind of limits where it can go. Yeah, you know. 
And, and pretty um, much all the all the really important. I mean, we talked about a lot of cool stuff too. You know, we talked about Morbid Angel. We talked about you know Ripping Corpse. We talked about the new album. All of that stuff that would normally be in like an interview was in there. <laughs> you know, just that we had a lot more fun doing it. You know, it's true, man. I, I appreciate it, man, and I, I think it's it's it, it gets a better insight um, into, and it makes it easy. Because me and you, man, we we known each other a while, and we, you know, obviously, um, you do a record together like we have. We experienced so much during that record on, on a musical and personal level, and it makes it easy to just open up. Where uh, a lot of times, maybe I'm a little bit more closed, but um, you know, in this case, it is just easy. You know, yeah. like you, you forget that you're you're doing like this interview per se you're just kind of shooting the shit with your buddy that you respect and and that's exactly how it is you know i enjoyed it man it's great talking with you man and i i'm i apologize that i'm missing your show in january because oh, i'm gonna dude. be in jersey that's don't even worry about it man we'll, we're, we're gonna be busy next year just because you know we got this that ep that came out it's coming out and when's know, it coming out man april 1st and okay. um, I'll send you a physical. I know you like CDs, so I'll send you like the physical copy when I have them. Sure, man. And, um, That'd be fantastic. I, I look forward to hearing it, man. Yeah, and then you know we're, we're putting together some new material for for you know still still looking to do the LP at the end of the year. So you know. Wow. Well, I'll keep my, I'll keep my mind on that, man. Yeah, totally, man. And like I'll I'll uh, you know I'll be sending you demos probably in the spring. You know. Great. To check it out. Well, I look- I look forward to hearing it, man. I'm glad everything's going well, man. I'm glad the EP got done. Yeah, how's man. Ben doing? He's doing good. You know, he's um, you know, he's working. I, I, I'm not sure if he was doing the the foundry when we were down there, but he's like working in like uh, a foundry, like doing casting metal and. I think he was actually, yeah. but, but maybe it just started. Well, that's cool, man. Yeah, he's still doing that. Um, he's trying to get together, get like his own, you know, his own business like in that field going too. And, uh, you know, and Andrew's doing good. I stay in touch with him regularly. And, and then, I mean, Andrew's my brother, man. I, I'm going to be friends with him for the rest of my life. So, you know, I love Andrew. Yeah. It's so great to see him, man. You know, he, he, um, man, he's, he, you know, I saw him and I took a phone and he said some things on Facebook, man. It was really, really nice. Of him. you know, he, just what a good guy, man. You know, somebody like that where I didn't even know before we recorded and, and then I kind of feel like we went through so much with 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 so many things during that record, you know, and personally with him, you know, you just kind of create that bond with the guy. Like like man, Andrew, he's man, what a great guy, an amazing drummer, and and the type of guy that you want, you know. No matter what, it, it, it's like how I feel the same with you or, or like with JJ. I played with JJ eight years. If, if someday he left the band, that would never change anything of our relationship because we just have that kind of bond. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you just bond with certain people sometimes, uh, whether it's through music or personally. It's, it's like... Um, and I have so many of those kind of relationships with different people, which is is really interesting and it's all come through music man i mean like everybody i have some form of relationship besides my family is through music uh and that, that that's what's pretty cool you know like that music is like the furthest thing from shallow man it's just so deep and it it, it just 
makes connections with people and, and seeing Andrew, man, it was it was killer to see him, man. It was really good to see him. Actually, see? we played in uh, Ithaca on the way up to doing a bunch, a few dates. Really? In yeah, we played up on the way to Canada. We did a couple of dates up in uh, Montreal and Toronto, like in those areas. Uh-huh. And we played a show in Ithaca and not not one, but two bands that Andrew played drums in played the same show with us. Oh, that's he did, crazy. Back to back sets with uh, this one band that you know. It, this is more his band called Twin Lords. Okay. And then he did a set right after that with um, oh, another band called Bleak. Wow. Yeah, he did. And fucking you know, that guy's got endless amounts of energy, man. You know, he, man, I, that's why I hit him off with him too, man. Is because he's like me and him were very similar, man. Like you know, I'm kind of like an energetic dude, and so he's always he, he definitely has that energy, man. And then you kind of feed off that kind of thing, man. You know, I, I love that energy that oh, he's yeah. got. Yeah, totally. just a great guy, man. A really great guy, a great musician, and man, I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. You know, like you you guys. You guys are, man, when you have that kind of relationship with somebody, it, it, it never changes. It's like, man, I got friends from Jersey that I've been friends with for 30 years, man, that I'm, I still, I might not talk to them for three, six months, sometimes longer, but nothing ever changes, you know? Like, it's like, a, that. that's when you know you've got a, you know, a strong relationship when you can talk to somebody and it's as if, it's as if we just talked the other day, you know? Yeah, totally, man. And, it's uh, a good thing. Well, listen, man, I'll let you go, man. Thank you so much, man. All right, Eric. Have a good night, man. Have a great holidays, man, and I'll talk to you soon, buddy. Yeah, Merry Christmas, dude.